Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Break the Rules live stream. I am your host, Lev Polyakov. It is a great pleasure to be here today with Astral Chud Logic. I've been following both of you gentlemen for a long time, and uh, we are going to be talking about civil liberties today and breaking it down as far as starting from free speech, talking about women's rights, maybe get into even more spicier territory as we go on. But uh, before I start this, I want to have some intros. So uh, Astral, can you please tell us a little bit about yourself? And also, since uh, I think all of us at the end of the day don't want anything horrible to happen in the world, what exactly would be your vision if you can describe it in short for the kind of world you want to live in? So that would be both for Astral and Chud, but let's start with Astral. Tell us a little bit about yourself and then that. Appreciate you, Lev. Uh, thanks for having me on. A lot has changed since the last time. It's been so long. I started a podcast and a Substack blog, as you do. And I, um, it's co- uh, on Twitter. I'm AFSCast. That's at AFSCAST, which stands for Astral Flight Simulator Podcast. Name of my podcast. The Substack is AstralFlight.substack.com. And there's uh, a bunch of interview podcasts with people for like uh, Yarvin. Curtis Yarvin, of course, of Mench's Moldbug fame, uh, Oren McIntyre, Zero HP Lovecraft, who's been on the show, um, many others. And, um, you know, the content there is not so much of a political bent. I know we're here having a political discussion. I'm much more interested in mythology, psychology, literature. Uh, big fan of Uber Boyo, one oh, of yeah. the many, many people I found through your show. So I appreciate that. So I'm happy to be here. But I am looking forward to today's discussion something i'm concerned with but not something i really ever write or uh podcast about um chud logic nice to meet you friend i will be checking out your channel as soon as possible and i look forward to our discussion so okay good i like the way you frame that question because i do not like uh talking in hypotheticals and i do not like conversations that are just two people talking past each other with their pie in the sky utopia i think it's a waste of time uh but to answer your question and it's a good to just get it out of the way. This is where I stand on several liberties overall. And I hope I don't disappoint people. I know I'm the right wing guy here, but I'm, uh, I'm not quite as extreme as you might think when you hear that term. So, but what I think is that if you were be, to be given a blank slate, uh, let's say 10 people were given a blank slate and the people who give it to them say, okay, make a country here. Uh, do whatever it is you think you can do to maximize stability. This is a contest And, you know, whoever's country makes it the longest before it collapses wins. What would you do? Well, I probably wouldn't include civil liberties in that, maybe at all, maybe here and there. However, the founding fathers had exactly that in front of them. Uh, They had a blank slate and they had to start from the ground up. And they were attempting to make something that was both prosperous and uh, stable. And they decided to grant a whole bunch of civil liberties. And they decided to grant the people who came later... The ability to add to the civil liberties, or if one of them was a mistake, they could take it away. Um, I think the way the founding fathers had it set up, they had the right idea. And I think what we've done with it is far outside what they had in their minds. I think a lot of things about America today, if you could bring them into the future and show them everything and explain how it got there, they would say, what are you doing? You're mucking the whole thing up. This isn't supposed to be like that. You gave who rights? Uh, where's everybody's guns? Why does everybody have guns? Where are all the farms? Um, you know, why is so-and-so allowed to vote? And, you know, you can imagine who I mean by that because the people were given uh, the, blacks. the right to vote over time. We're talking about the blacks, right? 
and women. Okay. <laughs> that being said, and I'll, I'll, I'll let you go. That being said, I did not come here today to argue that if we took the rights away of blacks and women to vote, we would, ha we would have a, a utopia. Because um, I don't think it's that simple. But that is who I'm talking about. Well, yeah. since you already mentioned that, we could start with that. But before that, uh, Chud Logic, what would be your you know, non-ideal but practical uh, society that you would want to see that maybe you're not seeing right now, unless you're pretty much happy with the way things are? Um, yeah, so, I mean, I guess I'll just quickly introduce myself. I'm Chud Logic. Yes. Um, I'm a disillusioned politics streamer who talks a lot about drama and shit like that. Uh, we have a good time. We have a lot of fun. If you like memes and having a good laugh, come and check my stream out. Um, I'm very cynical about a lot of things, though, so you need to be prepared for that. Um, in terms of like the the conversation, um, I think that there, I, I, you know, I, I would say that anything in the future, utopian-wise, is something we would build on the foundation of the current society. Whereas it seems like Astral is, you know, more of the perspective that things need to be swept away to to create a new foundation. So we probably got some disagreement there. Um, but I think that I guess we are in the situation. You know, I, I appreciate you know getting into hypotheticals and utopias can be a bit cringe. I think the reality is, you know, we, we are given the conditions that we exist in and it's about how do we make the best of that? Um, so when it comes to things like, you know, civil liberties and stuff like that, I think that when you start to mess around with like fundamental liberty, you run the risk of, of, you know, creating worse circumstances than exist at the moment. So I think it's with great caution that we should, you know, approach this idea. So whenever I hear people talking about like curtailing civil liberties, obviously that does kind of raise an eyebrow as it would probably most people. So I'm interested to understand, you know, what the, the changes would be um, and, and how we might implement them. Broadly speaking, I mean, I think that there are obviously issues and there's inconsistencies and there's problems. Um, if we're looking, talking about real things we can do, it's probably about fixing that at the moment through legislation rather than anything too dramatic and too drastic. But we'll see what happens in this conversation. Yes, indeed. So, uh, Astral, before we jump right into those particular uh, rights, let's talk about uh, free speech. Let's start a little bit, a little bit light as people start uh, trickling in over here. And once again, everybody, subscribe to BreakTheRules.tv. That's the YouTube channel. Add a like. It helps the algorithm out a lot. And uh, anyway, Astral, let's talk about free speech. What specifically in terms of free speech do you want to be altered? Uh, well... Here's the thing. The, the, the free speech debate has really flipped sides, as has quite a lot in politics over the last 20 to 40 years. So the free speech used to be uh, trumpeted by the left in, in the interest of, you know, allowing uh, gangster rappers to sing about violence and, and misogyny and uh, pornographers to peddle their smut. And... Wait, whoa, whoa, whoa. Sorry, <laughs> sorry. Before we continue on. Um, I mean, my understanding of history is that historically, you know, if you want to talk about the left, it's been about ensuring we've got fundamental rights to say criticize the government. No, um, that's right. At the beginning, right. At the founding. Correct. Absolutely. But now you're saying it's just turned into pe people talking about rappers saying drug shit and porn. Yeah, I, but I specified the last 20 to 40 years uh, because like when I was growing up, the people talking right. about free speech and defending free speech were, were the left on those grounds. And now it's the right. The right wants to defend free speech on the grounds that they say that their political opinion is not, uh, you know, being being given a voice and that they're being shut down in various ways, mostly online, but also in the mainstream media broadly. 
Wait so, a second. But, well, hang on, hang on, ahead. because there's two, diff- there's two different things. Because obviously, you know, I accept that we, you know, have a discussion about um, companies and their impeachment on speech with um, censorship they they do for terms of service. But that's fundamentally different to like government restrictions on free speech. Um, obviously, yeah, but I, I would argue if we're, that- about, if we're talking about historic free speech, that's got nothing to do with with companies that didn't exist back then, too, right? Sort of, yeah. I mean, I understand that the circumstances were different back then for all of these things. The guns, the the typical argument with the guns is they didn't have uh, machine guns back then. Um, and, and, you know, I almost think those arguments are in a way a cop out, because if you look at the reality in America, like, for example, these private corporations and their supposed violation of terms of service, they didn't start really clamping down like this until after they all got hauled in front of a tribunal in Congress and, and taken to task about their role in the 2016 election. That's when you started seeing all of a sudden uh, mass suspensions, suspensions on political grounds, the eventual blackout of a sitting U.S. president on Twitter, uh, total media blackout, I would say. Um, and these are these are tricky because this is like uh, this is like uh, people start getting into to legalistic hocus pocus and mumbo jumbo when they say, well, it's not actually not actually uh, a violation of free speech because it's not the government shutting it down. But, you know, it sure looks like it was the government shutting it down in that in that case with the social media. Company. I mean, I yeah, I, I agree that, like, it's a bit of a cop out to just say, oh, well, it's a private company. You know, private companies can do what they want, particularly if a lefty would be critical of hmm. the, you know, rights of private companies in other areas. And I certainly have got criticisms of the way TOS is enforced. But, you know. If you're saying that you want to limit free speech from a government perspective, but now it sounds like you're criticizing the limiting of free speech that companies are doing. So I guess, you know, what is your position? No, no, Where no. Do you want right. to my this? position. Yeah. My position is not exactly what the rights position is, because I the, the right broadly, because I am firmly couched in in the right somewhere. But <clears throat> excuse me. I actually think the rights uh, uh, trumpeting of free speech is disingenuous. And when the left accuses them of saying you don't really want free speech, I agree with them. The, the way I deal with that is by saying I don't really want free speech. I don't really uh, I, I think there should be limits to some extent to free speech. That's a convoluted conversation to have, certainly. But uh, I don't I don't necessarily think people should be able to say whatever they want to. And I could give you many different examples. Uh, I can I can imagine the typical leftist uh, counter example, right? But the first thing that comes to mind is that the government uses the media outlet to spread lies, like saying that uh, children in, um, I was almost going to say Kurdistan, in Kuwait in the early 90s were being, you know, taken off of ventilators by Saddam Hussein's uh, uh, regime and and being murdered, which was a lie. Uh, The source of that lie was the government. Iraq has weapons of mass destruction on the cover of the New York Times. Uh, lie. Co- Colin Powell saying that they were depleting uranium or whatever it was um, in, in, in Iraq. Total lie. Um, and the freedom of speech, you know, grants the ability for propaganda, which no one likes. Everybody's against propaganda. It's just people disagree on what propaganda is. So the free speech is basically like saying, well, we should just because nobody can agree on what propaganda is. Let's just let everybody say whatever they want to. And I, I completely disagree that um, this stuff is innocuous. It's uh, the, and the government agrees with me on this because they do things like f- shut down 4chan for saying that that it that it led to the uh, the, the Christchurch shooting, which we can debate about that. Hmm. Wait, whoa, whoa, whoa. So 4chan, 8chan, wasn't it, that was shut down, you mean? Or... Uh, forgive me, yes, 8chan. Hmm. Oh, no, no, that's okay. Um, okay. W- um, was that purely as a result of the shooting? 
Well, that was their that was their pretense, yeah. But they really did it because QAnon was there. Okay. Um, I feel like we're kind of moving about a lot because because the thing is, if you're talking about curtailing free speech rights, my belief or understanding was that we were going to be maybe talking about you know the 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 rights of of citizens to say what they want. But now it seems like your criticism is more about the way that the U.S. government has historically used the media to push you know talking points of propaganda that turn out to not be true. Like the Iraq war is probably a, a good example of But where... they pushed it through the media outlets, though. So how do we solve that, I guess, would be the, the question. <laughs> That's a fair question. You see, part of the reason why I said at the outset that this is a, a difficult... I don't remember exactly how I phrased it now, but it's, it's, it's difficult to have this conversation uh, because I don't want to revert or... or, uh, or uh, yeah, I don't want to devolve into hypotheticals, right? Yeah. But the thing is, is in my ideal world... Uh, the people, you know, I don't we're not going to have a benevolent dictatorship uh, mitigating free speech. OK, so if I start to argue against free speech, of course, the people enforcing it are going to be the regime that I dislike. Uh, but at the same time, I'm not going to be disingenuous and, and and say that I theoretically support free speech, you know, in a vacuum as it stands in America now. I, I do think something needs to happen, though, even with the regime we have in power, because I think. I think speech is hmm. is running off the rails. But, uh, but can you play it out? Can you play out for us how you imagine this is going to happen as opposed to being uh, more ephemeral about it? I don't need to because it's already happening in real life in the examples I gave you, like uh, like with uh, people being suspended. No, 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 no. I don't mean that. I mean the solution to that problem. How would you play out the solution? How would that work out? That's a difficult question. Give me give me a moment to mull that over because I I, I think the the only concrete answer you can give is like uh suing in court and suing suing over 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 rights but the thing is that's actually as soon as i say that you know i want to take it back because really all you're doing is suing to ensure that your your free speech rights are retained yes uh, that has nothing to do with curtailing yeah curtailing well, them is a much more difficult thing you need something like a a, a, a junta or like some sort of uh unilateral move made by say the executive branch to like suspend the constitution or suspend one particular amendment. And there is precedent for that in other countries, but I don't know of any example of something like that happening in America ever, really. I mean, there's a couple examples like the Japanese internment camps and everything, but for the most part, uh, that's not reality. So so I, I don't even know how to answer that question without going into some, uh, you know, potentially implausible sounding future scenario in which, uh, you know, Moldbug's CEO NFT dictator takes over and, uh, uh, you know, rescinds the Constitution or rescinds the First Amendment or something like that. But, that's but I guess that's my answer, though. I don't. That, I guess that's my answer for. But now. that's Wait, the difficulty I thought, I thought right we were, there. I thought you didn't like hypotheticals, and now we're talking about rescinding yeah. the Constitution. No, of course, of course, no, no. But he asked me though. I'm directly answering a direct question. I don't. I don't. Okay. I, our legal system isn't set up in such a way. That uh, all you can do, right, is like a state can pass a law that violates a civil liberty. And people argue that passing laws to make abortion more difficult violates people's uh, civil liberties. So that would be an example. A state where maybe a red state could pass a law that somehow curtailing speech or. or let, OK, so let's use a, Let's use something in the news. Let's use something right. in the news. Uh, uh, books about LGBTQ issues for children that, that goes into. Um, into um, a kindergarten and DeSantis passes the uh, don't say gay bill 
that is an example uh, of a real world example of what I'm talking about, where uh, a civil liberty could be curtailed, um, realistically speaking. Now, I am assuming we're going to see a lot of legal challenges to that. I, they're already getting started, but nothing major has has transpired. But Chud, I'm talking too much. I, no, no, it's I, fine. I, mean, I, I just, you know, because we've just gone to a few different places. I guess to take it back to what we were initially talking about there. So, you know, we're talking about, say, the government pushing propaganda by media outlets, which I think it's fairly uncontroversial to say, you know, with the Iraq war, that's definitely something that happened um, where, you know, the, the, the behind the scenes, we can't be 100 percent of what exactly happened, you know, but certainly news outlets were reporting um, the, the government's statements about Iraq as fact. And I think that, you know, for me, when I look at that, I think, well, the answer to that is like more free speech, because what happens is the um, government presents a narrative, the media reports on it, and then it's up for that to be dissected and analyzed and um, discussed and pushed back upon if necessary. And I think in the age of social media, despite some, um, you know, teething problems that we have, and I agree that there are some issues with TOS and bannings and stuff like that, which we can look into. But I think that we're kind of finding our feet with having these platforms, which give us a great ability to more than ever criticize and uh, push back against media narratives we disagree with. Um, so I, I don't know if, if curtailing would be the right way to go about it because it's the free speech itself that enables us to have the tools to be critical. And, and if you look at, you know, um, states where they don't have free speech, you, you find the inverse of that is true and the state narratives are perpetuated further. Um, whereas in America, despite issues, I think you've got, because of the free press, um, the ability to have narratives pushed back on, debunked and disagreed with more so than other nations. I don't know. Yeah, and, the, and in theory, and I'm sure you're going to agree with me on this, the internet is the greatest tool of free speech you know, ever invented yeah. because as soon as a, a bullshit story gets propagated or somebody tells a lie in the mainstream media that we normally have no recourse to refute in any sort of meaningful way, now hundreds, thousands, theoretically millions of people could uh, could swarm that tweet or that story or whatever it is, they can get in the comments on the news source uh, web page itself and uh, call it out, you know, right in real time to its face, to the readership as well. Uh, so, you know, in that sense, I, I do, I like the fact that we can do that. Um, and I don't want to make that go away necessarily. But at the same time, I, I think when you have, <laughs> I, I don't really, my fundamental, like, uh, my fundamental perspective on the nature of human beings is that uh, they they don't really handle responsibility all that well if you give the responsibility to too many people and it starts to break down. And also over time, things like the media uh, are, are subject to capture by institutions that uh, want to wield them against the people for their own good or for their own, excuse me, for their own ends. So, so yeah, I mean, there are definitely problems with the mainstream press. I was talking about this earlier, actually, and the fact that this kind of fake news narrative has got a kernel of truth, despite it being overused sometimes, and that media outlets get stuff wrong. Um, and sometimes they report stuff which hasn't really got much legs as fact. And it, and it means it creates this, this situation where you've got something which turns out to not be true. The Brian Sicknick, the Capitol building is what we were talking about. There was yeah. that story that he was had his head smashed in with a fire extinguisher. That turned out to not be true. And then it looked like the press were just, you know, making shit up essentially when the truth is probably a bit more complicated than that. But nonetheless, it mm. creates a narrative that all oh, the press are lying to you about this. Or the uh, Covington kids, for example, with that yes. Native American dude. Yeah, that was, you know, and it's like, 
and this I think is obviously linked to the profit motive. News organizations want clicks and emotion drives that. So they push certain narratives. Um, mm. But, but, but an interesting question here to uh, vouch for what Astral is talking about is at which point does that reach critical mass? At which point does that get to such a level that people are so confused about what the truth is or even worse, they're just going with that, whatever mainstream is uh, telling them to such an extent that they're going to start advocating as a lot of college kids uh, happen to advocate today for there being less free speech, for there being uh, more of this overarching control of what exactly people are allowed to do based on their feelings. And that is a very uh, dangerous step to go on. I don't think the solution would be authoritarianism, but I would like to play devil's advocate here, try and figure out maybe it is up to some kind of a great force to stop something that if nothing is done, it's just going to get to such an unbelievable level that uh, we're all going to be living under some commie dictatorship. I don't know. Like Astral, is there any, is there anything you can make out of that? Like some kind of a horrible doom and gloom. You will live in the pod. You will eat the bugs. That kind of scenario. Uh, I'm not, I'm not convinced that the curtailing of free speech would like usher in a dystopia or or anything like that. I mean, I don't I don't see well, it. Well, not just curtailing of free speech, but basically all the horrible things that you're seeing today in society. If you think nothing is done about it, or if the good fight for us being able to counter a lot of these things through free free speech don't work, what in your mind is the worst case scenario here? Oh, like you, I, I like total civilizational collapse. Yes, exactly. And, yeah, yes. I mean. Yeah, I I don't I'm not one of those guys who's saying it's around the corner tomorrow, but it is conceivable that it that it would come to that. It's also conceivable though that we would just uh, uh, stay in a long steady decline for I don't know decades, centuries, and more and more people are impoverished, and we just turn into a third world country and stay that way. And then these problems just become endemic, uh, like it has in in many places around the world, Brazil, uh, many countries in Africa. Um, in, in many cases through no fault of their own. Um, but in America, I don't think we have anyone to blame but the central government who, you know, as we've we've had this decline, if you agree with me that there is a decline, I think it's objectively true. As we've had this decline in living standards, this increase in crime rate, increase in drug use, uh, increase in outsourcing of labor and things like that, which which degrade the quality of life. All of these things have happened as civil liberties have been upheld, supposedly upheld and granted more so. And, I, you know, I'm, I'm like a pro Second Amendment guy. And, and even I can't deny that what I just said applies to guns and gun violence as well uh, in, in, in regard to the mass shootings. But uh, uh, so, I mean, you know, sorry, I, I don't I'm not sure. Is that true that crimes increased? I thought it was the opposite. I thought the crime well, as time has gone has decreased. I specifically meant uh, gun violence is is increasing over the last couple of years. Now, here's here's the sleight of hand, though, and I don't want to get too far off topic, but here's the sleight of hand, right? Gun violence rates are lower now than they were in the early 90s, right? But that was 30 years ago. They are on the rise over the last – dramatically, precipitously over the last couple of years, but over the last, say, five to ten years, they have been slowly increasing. Now – the press likes to point to how like it's not and, and I read this in the in the New York Times frequently like it's it's nothing like it was in 1991 at the height of the crack e epidemic. Well, that doesn't mean, though, that it's not a palpable uh, decline in the quality of life and the qu quality of inner city life uh, in America. What, what sort of things would you point to as indicative of a declining quality of life for people? 
Yeah, no, that's a that's a good question. That's a, a an excellent question, actually. And um, I would point to things like increasing in uh, what they call they came up with this term. I think it's a disease. I forgot what the term is now, but the increase in uh, morbidity and mortality from that's what it is. Uh, despair, uh, uh, sicknesses of despair, like uh, dying from alcoholism, dying from drug overdose, and dying from suicide for example. So those rates have gone up in the last 10 years, especially amongst the particular demographic in America that is middle-aged white men. Not that I think that they're any more, you know, their lives are any more valuable than anybody else's, but middle-aged white men were historically the people driving the American economy, and now their death rates are going up just from illnesses of despair. Then also death rates going up from like first world uh, preventable diseases like obesity and diabetes and things like that, as well as medium income declining housing rates, uh, the price of housing going up, uh, the price of college increasing with the with the quality of education going down. These are all measurable things that, you know, you can easily Google and find are, are true. I could go on, but I mean, what, I would like to hear your response to that. Oh, but my point in this, the, how it's relevant to what we're saying, though, is that all of these things are taking place in the face of uh, uh, civil liberties being upheld for the most part. So I think, I think that um, certainly like technologists, technologies developed. Um, it's meant that in my mind anyway, obviously I'm not in America, I'm in the UK, but in my mind, I think people would generally be in a, a happier position today than they were 20 years ago. Whilst there are certainly issues that I think you can point to, um, with with certain uh, like medical disorders and mental health and things like that, um, I don't have the facts in front of me and know the ins and outs of the the, the rates and what's gone up and what's gone down and all this kind of stuff. Um, but I'd be surprised if if broadly speaking, if you looked at polling, people would say that they're kind of unhappier now than they were twenty years ago. Um, broadly, and issues you're pointing to like obesity, I think that there's a conversation to be had about. Um, the way in which marketing in America works and that, you know, uh, bad food is often cheaper. Um, uh, there's like public information campaigns that maybe need to be engaged in to, to help educate people about how to eat better, for example. So it's, it's not like there's not things that you can do to try and fix it. But the idea that like obesity rate is a sign of, you know, collapse or, or society going down the toilet. I just I just don't know if it's if it's that severe and it's not something mm. we can just look to fix with public information or, or something like well, that. It's, a, it's society well, going uh, to the toilet more often at, at the least. <laughs> but now, uh, if, if yeah. dysentery was was an issue, it wouldn't right. We wouldn't be. Uh, mm. But, but I think that we have a lot obesity. of we have a lot of creature comforts and there is, I think, a tendency for people to abuse their creature comforts. If you don't need to go out and chop wood, if you just need to lay down somewhere and watch TV or the Internet and that's it, then it's going to be a lot harder to bring people on their feet. I mean, that's just kind of like sure, a general. I, I, I yeah. agree with that. You know, I um I went out for like a walk earlier, and it's like it's a great, it's it's great, it's great to get out there, have a walk, you know, just see what's going on, stuff like that. And I think I think that any sort of exercise like that is important to try and motivate people to do that. And that's the difficulty. You've now got all of these kind of um, applications and technology that are dictating your time. I mean, forecasting on different. YouTube, Twitch, etc. Yeah, it becomes difficult to get people to, to get active and stuff. But, you know, suggesting that's a sign of like moral collapse, I think this is more so or societal collapse. It's just more so the teething issues that we're finding as these technologies become more prevalent. And it's just about finding solutions that allow people mm. to, you know, 
enjoy and indulge in the creature comforts whilst also living a healthy lifestyle uh, well, well this is uh, this is kind of similar certainly i want to get to astral as well but this okay. is a little bit similar to uh, the conversation you were having with your editor about whether vouch was vouching for there being a genocide of uh, conservatives or not and the question is like if over here we have these various creature comforts and over here we have societal collapse, how many steps would it take to get to societal collapse? And what are some of the things that you're seeing right now, uh, astral, that would lead you to uh, that conclusion, as well as what are some things that you think should be done to prevent that? And I think we've been focusing on free speech. I want to get to women's rights. So let's see if we can bring that up as well. Well... Sticking with the obesity thing, uh, first of all, I didn't say I think collapse is around the corner. I could I could see okay. us just devolving into a third world condition. But I did say downgrade or degrading in the overall quality of life. And uh, morbid obesity is a downgrade in the quality of life of, of every individual who is morbidly obese. But uh, real quick, just, just to throw this quick quip in uh, in response to something Chud said about like marketing and things like that. Like I think the marketing – would fall under free speech, right? I mean, wouldn't, wouldn't the ability for uh, McDonald's to try to sell you a Happy Meal uh, filled with a jumbo-sized soda fall under free speech rights? I mean, I don't know how we could possibly curtail their ability to, to market that thing, those things. Uh, um, I don't have a problem with regulating corporations. I know that there's some um, legislation, what was it, citizens, something or other, again, and then they talked about how corporations can be classified as a, a person for the purposes of, of like campaign financing or something like that. I don't yeah, necessarily so that's agree a great with that. Thing. No, that's a great thing to point out. That's an absolutely good thing to point out. But 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 that's where we are right now. Be, they, they, they are considered persons and they are granted the same civil rights as, as we are. So it's... I mean, that's that's just the Supreme Court decision that could potentially be changed in the future. I mean, Roe versus Wade was somewhat considered to be settled and we're seeing yeah. now that that could potentially be overturned. So, I you know, I think that Often Supreme Court decisions are not the best way to legislate um, because obviously it just comes down to the opinions of that particular court and the political setup at that time, whereas well, legislation is not what's tricky to undo. We're seeing that with Roe versus Wade. So, you know, I don't know if that's something that's um, necessarily a truth just because the Supreme Court decided it. My no, personal view is, you know, I don't think... I want to ask yeah. you a question, though. Would yeah, sure. you support rescinding or overturning that decision? Um... I think possibly. I mean, the, the thing is, the, 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 if you, the case itself, it was about some small group releasing a documentary that yes. was seemingly negative about Hillary Clinton, right? Yeah, so, you uh, know, I'm, I'm kind of like that. They made, it's like they made the right decision, but it ended up that now it seems like large corporations have taken it with both hands and are using it as, as an opportunity to, um, you know, influence politics or finance. So that's the claim anyway. But I think, I think that it's the right decision, but it's, it's maybe given corporations too much power to to use their money to influence politics. Um, I don't have a problem with restricting that in some way. I think that would be the answer is to limit the amount of money they can spend. And I think with marketing, yeah, limiting um, marketing spend would be fine for me. I don't have a problem with that. Yeah, and it, and it is a sleight of hand too, right? Because like, uh, you know, two honest individuals trying to talk about free speech, uh, having de uh, a friendly debate about free speech, if that had never come to pass, like, None of us would be sitting here considering uh, corporations, individuals who who are afforded the same civil liberties that we are. Uh, this is all this is all perpetrated mm. upon uh, the American people by the regime, who uh, 
who really at the end of the day agree. And that, that, that is the type of decision that makes way for an oligarchy and allows oligarchic interests to mm. have, you know, more influence in our but, country. But getting rid of that but, is not getting rid of civil liberties, though. Like, I want to make sure we're agreed. On yeah, yeah, agreed. Right, 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 right. But that's where we're at right now. That's where we're at right now. Um, okay. Well, and I think in order yeah. to get rid of it, I don't see, I mean, do you guys see, the only people I could think maybe going against that are, are maybe some of the MAGA people uh, calling, calling the, maybe, I don't even know for sure, go, calling a corporation an individual. Um, are, are we ever going to see the government come along because there, there's not a strong faction in the government right now trying to say corporations aren't people like there has been against Roe versus okay. Wade. Well, for after after Chad answers that, I do want to get back on track. Yeah, to we're getting off topic. The, uh... Yeah, yeah, that's fine. Um, yeah, I think I think that one issue that I see is it feels like because companies are on the face of it kind of progressive. I use that term fairly loosely because they're a fucking corporation. But, you know, they'll put the pride flag on their company at the right time and they'll generally, you know, spout the right progressive opinion. I think that people give a bit of leeway to corporations. So, for example, there was a situation recently where I think Disney gave money to, was it an LGBT charity or a sort of liberal politician? Um, and, and that, to me, is something that would fall afoul of like the campaign financing issue or the, um, you know, corporations influencing politics with money issue. And to me, that would be the sort of thing you would criticize if you've got a criticism of corporations using money to influence um, politics. But it didn't really seem like there was much of cri a criticism for that It was kind of accepted because it was the right the right thing for progressives, you know. And I think that that's an issue is like you've got to kind of have a, a, a staunch and a consistent position, even if you kind of politically agree with the decision, the thing that's happening. Do you see what I mean? I think that's a problem. And I think I agree with you that there's people that don't call things out and they are more permissive of companies because they are on their side, so to speak. But that could potentially change in the future. Mm. I, I agree. Lev, if I can, uh, I know you want to go to women's rights. Let me just throw this last thing in here because I saw a comment in the in the chat. Remind me, you asked me a question I didn't answer. I was talking about obesity and I while I agree with Chud's comments on obesity, uh, he called himself a cynic. I'm, I'm afraid I might be uh, farther, uh, you know, d to the ex extreme as a cynic than he might be because I I don't foresee any of those things uh, fixing the problem. But what the question Lev asked me was, um, what does that have to do with decline or collapse, right? So, and my answer was that it contributes to a, de a degradation in 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 lifestyle, uh, whatever it was. I said quality of life, but you could envision a scenario in which it contributes to collapse as uh, more people become obese, they have more health problems, and then they put a strain on the healthcare system because, right? Even if you have private healthcare health insurance and you use the system and you. Uh, you, you drive up costs because people who the, the insurance claims don't necessarily cover your treatment based on your uh, premium. They cover your treatment based on everybody's premium. So the healthy people's premium will go up as more people engage the healthcare system. And then I don't probably have to explain to you at all about uh, uh, Medicaid. I mean, you have the NHS in your country. I don't know if you want to if you want to give me a rejoinder about that. But the more uh, people you let into your country, the more people you have obese uh, the more people, elderly population you have uh, uh, putting a strain and engaging and utilizing the medical system, it drives prices up. And mm -hmm. then it balloons the budget to an unsustainable point where it starts to like 
it starts to like uh, 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 vampirize, you know, all the tax revenue that could be used for things like, I don't know, investing in uh, space technology or investing in some, you know, rocket technology, investing in who knows what. Now, the typical liberal argument, because I used to be a leftist, so I know what the rejoinder to that is. The rejoinder to that, and I'm not saying this is your, I'm not trying to put words in no, your mouth, sure. so is uh, the military budget, right? So, oh, you want to complain about uh, spending money for charity and, and, and money for health care. But uh, meanwhile, the military budget's what, three quarters of a trillion dollars or something like that. Um, but my response to that would be that all of this needs to be needs to be uh, 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 overhauled. But that is an example, a concrete example I want to point to where something like a degradation in the quality of life that leads to decline could, in theory, lead to collapse because of the strain it puts on on tax revenue, the strain it puts on the middle class, the strain it puts on the productive class and obvious things like that. Sure. So in, in terms, I mean, I, I don't, yeah, I don't hold that position myself. I think that the problem with pointing to military budgets is that often when you look at any budget like that, police budgets fall under this as well. The vast majority of outgoings on budgets tends to be salaries. So it gets to the point where it's like, well, if you really want to meaningfully cut the amount of money that's being spent on the military, the police, you have to look at salaries and you have to look at losing people. And who do you lose? How do you lose it? How is it going to affect the overall structure? You know, there's a lot of problems. It's not as simple as defund the military or defund the police. It's a lot more sort of complicated than that. I agree um, completely. But I think I think that when it comes to the healthcare thing, you now we, we like to talk about the fatties when it comes to, you know, restricting healthcare. And the argument, I guess, is that, well, they've put themselves in that situation therefore it's their own decision you know etc the problem with that logic is you then end up in a situation where okay well what about people that cause an accident because they're drunk and what about people who smoke or what about you know there's a whole list of potential issues that are caused by one's um you know own actions what about someone who has high blood pressure doesn't get treated for it and ends up with a heart attack well that's their own actions that have caused that to happen um you know even though they're not obese they had a medical condition they've not treated correctly so, you know, so I guess the issue is you end up in a situation where, you know, you could potentially restrict a whole bunch of people from healthcare, which I think, you know, is, is going to be a problem if we're determining the right to healthcare based on, you know, whether they've looked after themselves properly or not. Now, in terms of like the healthcare system in America, obviously, I think is very, there's a lot of issues with it. Um, it's based on insurance and, um, you know, that's got a lot of um, uh, problems with costs and things like that. I think the NHS which does offer free healthcare at the point of service funded by tax revenue would probably be like the preferable system to have. And I don't, you know, I don't know the stats on the NHS or the top of my head of the obesity treatment and things like that. I'm not sure how much it costs. What I do know is there is often like public health campaigns that the NHS has to do. And it seems like there's always this strange kind of dynamic where on the one hand, you've got health providers and healthcare people and stuff like that trying to push like healthy eating messaging and pushing messaging about living a healthier lifestyle. And then on the other hand, you've got McDonald's pushing the latest burger on the TV at 8 p.m. on a Saturday night. And um, if I think this is this is actually from that Morgan Spurlock thing, Supersize Me. But in it, he spoke about how public health funding is limited, whereas McDonald's has got like billions of dollars to spend on whatever marketing they desire. So, you know, it's it's an issue of like, you know, restricting, I think, the marketing that is engaged in or putting limits on budgets whilst maybe increasing the amount of public spending that's spent on 
uh, health messaging because mm. at the end of the day i think some of this does come down to education and people just don't fucking realize you know how getting fat works and you know how to eat properly and stuff like that so um, yeah but in a, in, yeah. a, in a free speech environment you got fatties on twitter you know blatantly lying about you know the causes of obesity and things like that but look to make it to just take a broad view of all this uh, as the anti-civil civil liberties guy the way i look at because i agree with you like on what you're saying i just don't necessarily think uh granting more civil liberties or upholding civil liberties or as you're saying more education is actually the way forward i think it's i think it's just a, a waste of money and a waste of time i think it's proven that it doesn't that it doesn't work um I think that it's because of civil liberties that people are smoking and making themselves sick. That it's because of civil liberties that people are, uh, you know, driving drunk. It's because of civil liberties that people are doing all the all the other things you said that uh, not taking. But I, 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 but I think you know, if you want to talk about what causes obesity. Some fatty on Twitter posting about fat positivity and that actually you're not going to get cancer if you're fat, which is you know obviously bullshit. Um, I think I think that that pales in comparison to um you know the 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 um mechanisms by which marketing is pushed for bad food that leads people into bad diets um and the other thing as well is that um yeah i just i the issue you've got is okay we're going to say again it goes back to the right okay so fatties you can't talk about being fat anymore fat positivity is no more right. we're curtailing that free speech right smokers you're not allowed to talk about how great smoking is you know um there's lots of activity and behavior that can potentially create risk for us. And it's like, do we then start to limit talking about positively all of these things? And we exist in a world where the only things we're allowed to do is talk about and promote fitness or things that are good for yeah, us. Yeah, I think that would be great. Well, and I also, a, I also, I also, that sounds does. boring though. That perhaps, boring perhaps the point that I might push back on you in the mm. most, and I don't want to get us bogged down in this, but I have to say this. Uh, people know what makes them fat. People know smoking makes makes them have cancer. People know shooting heroin might have fentanyl in it and they're going to die. And they're going to do it anyway. That's that's the conclusion I've come to. Okay, so, right. The, what I'd say to that then, so, yeah, sure, I accept that there's some people that know that fatty food is bad for them. But what I'm pointing out is that some people don't have an understanding of, like, how to how to better their diet, particularly if their budget's tight. And there's, you know organizations that do that they talk about how to cook on a budget and stuff like that and i guess the point would be let's say that someone is shooting heroin knowing that there's fentanyl in it and it's gonna they're gonna hurt themselves potentially what sort of circumstance is that person in where they feel that that is an appropriate course of action and surely there's some sort of um mechanism or thing we need to do to step in there to resolve whatever that issue is that is leading to them shooting heroin in the first place but I, isn't, I, isn't I, it a I little agree. bit like a going to the homeless and telling them like hey we have all these houses set up for you you don't have to be homeless anymore and the homeless just end up saying you know what screw that i'm going to just stay on the street because i like it here you don't need to tell me anything like that's the other big problem here that no matter how much you can drill into people's heads i genuinely believe that there is a certain uh, time when this could be done maybe like yeah. four years old five yeah. years old six years old after that the trains left the station if the influences are really bad in terms of uh the uh people living in their neighborhood who they talk with who they communicate with on a regular basis i don't think they're going to even listen to whatever it is that's being said even if it's good for them that's i think more of a question of how much pressure is there on people to act a certain way not because it's going to be better for well, them, I, I because the alternative the, the, would be a lot worse for them. If they the other didn't... thing I'm, I'm, I'm saying as well to you, Astral, is like, do you think 
that people, um, you know, are getting fat because there's some fatty on Twitter saying, oh, fat positivity, yeah. you know, or is it because there's something fundamental in their life that's well, leading them on the pathway that's leading them to be obese? There's lots of different reasons. And I'm glad you brought up. I can't I can't uh, I um only in some cases, I think that's the case. But you said about the budget, about the, the budget of a, of, a, of a person who's like maybe I, I'm glad you brought that up. And this is this is a really good uh, point where I, I might not come across as like entirely right wing because I agree with you completely. If you have, you know, how many of the people that are obese in America right now are from a demographic of like, say, like the working class or that they're, they're the, the, the working poor? And they have two mm. or three jobs or they work one job 80 hours a week and they're obese because they don't have time to uh, work out. They don't have the energy to work out because it goes to their job. Maybe they have three kids and, uh, you know, being poor, everyone's seen the memes. It's actually cheaper for you to buy a Big Mac than it is to buy all the ingredients for a salad, let alone the time that there is to make it. So I am aware of that. And I and that's why I started the conversation by saying I don't like to type it, talk in hypotheticals. Because we have to take all of that into consideration. And, and, and the other thing is, too, like, I'm happy to argue against civil liberties because at the end of the day, I am not for them, really. <laughs> uh, but, but, but when it comes down to it, like, if we were going to sit down and work out the policy and work out the budget, like, I don't think curtailing free speech is going to be a panacea by, by any stretch of the imagination. We got to work all these things out. So now in terms of, like... Um, shooting heroin or, or being morbidly obese because you have some sort of fundamental like mental illness or emotional problem. I think that that's only one factor, but I think that factor comes in with other things that the right and left argues about, like uh, say uh, the outsourcing of labor, uh, manufacturing being moved overseas is big. So people don't have as much security. They don't have as much financial security. They don't necessarily look forward to a comfortable retirement and uh, the, the part of the reason, I, you know, I, I didn't want to get into how I used to be a leftist. Part of the reason that I switched sides is because the only person I've ever seen talk about this besides Bernie Sanders in, in the mainstream media, and Bernie Sanders was stabbed in the back by the Democrats. The only other person who talks about it is Donald Trump and the entire country uh, geared up and mobilized to just to just to just full frontal attack on him. They're, we're having the January 6 hearings right now where his supporters are being turned into these uh you know, terrorists, basically. Uh, so, sorry, I, I won't I won't let that rant go any further. But right. uh, Chud, women's I hope rights. you can see inside <laughs> there. Yeah, listen, listen, I need to go refill my coffee. Let's switch to women's rights. But I hope uh, Chud is able to see the grain of maybe a common ground in what I just said. Yeah, I mean, I think I think and I'll be that, right back. Go, yeah. go on, though. No, sure. I, th I think the common ground comes across in like, I, I think what this fundamentally comes down to is it strikes me that it's not really the civil liberties of citizens. It seems more these issues tend to lie at the feet of corporations or the structures that exist in society, like the American healthcare system. Um, you know, and I, whilst I don't think that fixing the healthcare system in itself is going to fix all of Americans' problems, I think certainly, you know, if people were in a position where they could have their healthcare treated um, at the point of service for free and it's funded by by taxation, however that looks like. As at least an option alongside maybe private healthcare, like in the UK, um, I think that yeah, that's going to be, you know, a, a step forward um, certainly to providing people with access to resources that are going to enable themselves to to you know um, 
better have a healthy lifestyle because you know we talk about obesity and obesity is a big problem but you know there's other things like you know high blood pressure you know I, I within the uk you can go and get medicals and stuff no problem i don't know what the situation is in america but you know i, I, would, I can't imagine someone who maybe isn't obese but has got high blood pressure like how does that get dealt with mm. you know that requires regular medication that requires it to be checked on a medical and stuff like that does that cost money if that does you know are you creating circumstances where people are having preventable medical conditions caused because they don't have the resources available to treat stuff that leads to those conditions in the first place and um, by the way we have a comment over here from red penny seven this is from your chat who says nah when you eat more than three big macs in the week to the fat prison camp with you <laughs> maybe so, i don't know i like and, i like to move about stuff like and when that, is so. when is the uh, fat chud logic avatar coming is there any way for you to do that i don't think there is i think i need to get a custom one built um mm, that's that's going to be the ideal um, yeah. but yeah, I don't think there's many, I think that, I think it's kind of like an SJW woke kind of thing. Maybe there aren't any fatties on here. Cause I think they're trying to make fun of them. You know, mm. you need a fat one. You need a furry <laughs> avatar as well. Yes. You know, like preferably a wolf suit or something. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's a lot of, well, uh, there a lot of things to go around, but before astral comes back, Oh, we got the furry one. Oh, we did it. All right. Before... Anyway, I thought wasn't this supposed to be some sort of like intellectual thing and I'm talking <laughs> about furry fucking avatars. What's going on? Before uh, Astral comes back, I just want to tell everybody who's watching this who is from uh, Chud Logic's Twitch. Listen, Break the Rules has to grow. Break the Rules right now, it's still a small channel, almost at 10K subscribers right now. So it is up to you. Add those subscriptions by going to BreakTheRules.tv. And for those who don't know what Break the Rules is, what we do is this is not the usual format. Usually what I do is I bring on people who are in more of a professional sphere like people from think tanks and bring them together with uh, anonymous internet people and in general bring together people who otherwise would never really have a chance to speak to each other which i think in a certain way it's being done today but i want to push it to the level of bringing on people from like the uh hoover institution together with anime avatar people that's the level that i want to get to but anyway with that uh, advert out of the way before astral comes back the only other thing I wanted to add is, whether we're talking about obesity, high blood pressure, or anything, I really think it comes down to what things people allow themselves to get away with, kind of like if you're thinking about little kids, if you leave a little kid alone uh, in a you know, candy shop, they're just going to eat as much as possible without thinking about the uh, repercussions. And the concern here is that most people are not going to be thinking long-term. And if they're only thinking short-term, then wouldn't the only thing that would be able to, you know, get in the middle of that either be their family, which I think is the most important thing to focus on, or if not their family, some other kind of force, something that would prevent them from doing stupid things without thinking about the future. Well, this is the, the, the thing I was thinking about too, is it's correct to say like technology is the cause of some issues of, you know, People sat around watching Twitch all day. But also, I think there's solutions. Like, there's lots of um, um, technology applications which are actually in support of health. Um, like, you know, you've got um, trackers that you can use on your wrist, just applications on smartphones that allow you to track calories and exercise. Um, so, uh, you know, I think that, that a lot of this is about a fundamental education in how, like, say, weight gain works and making people understand that, you know, food has calories and calories versus calories burned affects our body um 
and and that comes about through better uh, engagement with technology potentially so you know whilst i think the technology is a cause it can potentially be the solution to some of these problems too and i know there's you know plenty of people out there who would probably be able to attest to the fact that having access to this technology has actually helped them to you know gain weight if that's the aim lose weight become healthier etc so yeah well before astral comes uh, back on one final thing about the technology factor and this is some uh, thing that i've been talking about with people like alexander bard for instance who's a very interesting philosopher uh, according to Alexander, he imagines that in the future there's going to be two groups of people, kind of like the Eloy and the Morlocks from uh, the Time Machine novel, where you have people who recognize that you can get access to any literature, any knowledge that's been passed down you know, for thousands of years to now. And at the same time, you could just do whatever you want. You could play Candy Crush Saga on your phone. So most people... The fear is most people are just going to go for the lowest common denominator, while a few, a select few, are going to use the time that they have on this planet towards improving oneself, towards getting to a higher level than they would have otherwise when they didn't have access to all this information. So that, at least, I feel that's my prediction. I don't know, Chet, if you have anything to say on that, but either way, I would love to hear about women's rights from Astral right after. So. Yeah, I mean, I think that um, that's an, an interesting thing. And often, well, I think that for me, I, I think back, because obviously I'm a full-time streamer now, so my lifestyle is very different to how it was. Back when I was working, like, you know, 40 hours a week at an office, which, you know, if the ads uh, commute time onto that, which is an extra few hours a week as well, um, you would get home after a shift where you've just been making phone calls to some mug, trying to sell them life insurance, whatever the fuck I was doing. And you just you can't be fucked. You can't be fucked to do anything. You just want to fucking slum out in front of the TV. So I think work-life balance has changed dramatically, particularly with the way in which, you know, if you're a couple, generally speaking, both people have to work, which has an impact on childcare. So I, I think this work-life balance issue is, is another big factor where people are working so much, it really limits the time that they've got to invest in other things. And because of the way they feel after, you know, working a shift, unless you're very motivated or feel a certain way, you're likely to not want to engage in activity that is going to better yourself. You're just going to want to slam around. That was my, you know, experience with working anyway. Um, mm. Maybe some people are different, but... Well, that was common. also history for a long time. We had pe people who were peasants who were just working in the farm all day. They didn't have time to grab a novel. But well, right they're now... also illiterate. <laughs> Yeah, well, that, that was a part of it, too. But, but also... their job is physical, too. Obviously, we work in offices and shit now, right? So right, you've yeah, got right. a bunch of fatties at offices snacking all day. They go in <laughs> and watch fucking Disney+, Plus, watch the latest cape shit. It's fucked. Maybe you're yeah. right. Maybe society is declining. We need to ban Disney+. Plus. <laughs> ban Disney+, Plus right now. Anyway, Astral, <laughs> let's get on to women's rights. Well, you're going to have to set me up here because I'm actually not... Uh... I'm not like a MGTOW, so I, I would, uh, you know, implement things that would probably curtail women's rights drastically. However, I wouldn't target women, uh, except for maybe the, the right to vote, the 19th Amendment. However, um, I, I wanted to address the first comment, the first exchange me and Chud shared today because I, he said, would I take the right to vote away for black people and women? And I said yes, but actually it wouldn't quite go like that. I wouldn't take the right to vote away from any specific demographic, I would rather like to see it um, given only to people who meet certain requirements, a certain age requirement, a certain property requirement, if they have children. Uh, so this shows that these people have a stake in the future of the society. So if you own your own property, if you uh, have procreated, if you are working uh, 
you know, every day. The fact that everyone in this country is allowed to vote is is preposterous to me. It's absolutely mad. And I think it's, um, you know, in the context of this conversation, it's like once you grant a certain group of people the right to vote right it's never going to go away it's not like roe versus wade or even the um the corporations or people amendment i forgot the name of that decision um 50 of the population is not going to vote to uh at least they're not going to vote explicitly to give their rights away what might happen though is they might vote for a candidate who would down the road do something like that uh if he seized power or overrode the other branches of government So um, the only way I could see something like that coming to pass would be uh, uh, through something like that. Now, in terms of technology, because Chud was bringing up technology, um, I think, for example, one of the reasons why women are so empowered in our country right now is the combination of civil liberties and uh, technology. So abortion and and abortion isn't purely a technological thing, but but the birth control is uh, the birth uh, the birth control pill and uh, things like IUDs and things like that, which allows them to kind of uh, have much more control. It allows them to have sexual freedom and much more control over their 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 procreation and how much whether or not they procreate, which allows them to go on and pursue things which ends up empowering women. It allows them to pursue politics. It allows them to pursue uh, education in the workforce. And these are actually all very nice things, but uh, in theory. But I think we've gotten to a point in our country where, in my opinion, our priorities are way off base. You know, I agree completely with what Lev said before with the education thing is you really got to get them young. Well, our country is focused uh, on teaching these people like about gay sex and about like trans, you know, cutting your your tits off. And, and not focus on what you send four year olds to learn about fucking, uh, you know, genital reassignment surgery and shit. Well, I, it, no, it's not. And, and, and again, like I'm not extreme, so I'm not going to sit here and lie and say that, you know, in in second grade, they're seeing graphic pictures of 12 year olds with their with their mammary glands cut out. But OK, what when are, do you think, OK, when do you think kids learn about anal sex? Um, well, here, here's the thing. I don't necessarily think in in school, in the classroom that the insertion of a genitalia into someone's rectum is explicitly explained or, or or shown to them graphically. I'm not sure if the right is making the argument that it is, but I'm not so crazy or I'm not so dishonest to say that that is happening. But my point in bringing it up, and let, we can have that debate if you want, but let me just finish my thought. Uh, but if you want to have that debate, I'm, I'm up for it. My thought is that the priority of teaching our young people about acceptance of alternative lifestyles is less important in my opinion than the priority of teaching them about uh, uh, morbid obesity. They're teaching people to accept the morbidly obese and not to uh, how to avoid becoming morbidly obese. So I think the priorities of our country are all sorts of screwed up. And I think the empowerment of women is one of the reasons why our priorities are all screwed up. And now we're suddenly focusing on gay rights and transgender rights. Uh, when we should be focusing on like, you know, uh, 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 opioid epidemic and and the obesity epidemic and things like that. But you can respond either to that or if you want to take me to task. I, I No, I'm, no, no. I'm Listen, you... I'm, I'm enjoying this conversation. Um, I'm not looking to take you to task. I'm, I'm enjoying engaging with these ideas because, um, yeah, I mean, I, I guess what I'd say is I understand where you're coming from with the, the control of procreation is one aspect of it. But probably the biggest technological innovation um 
because we all know women be cleaning. The biggest technological innovations are stuff like the washing machine and the ironing board. You know, this is the stuff that originally um, enabled women to uh, not just be at home being a, a housewife because they've got technology to help with that so they can go out and work themselves. And that then created a generation of people beyond that who, you know, saw their mothers working and saw that they could engage in that as well. And it's created this kind of cultural shift where women are seen now, um, you know, as, as, as workers more so than just people to stay at home and look after the kids and do the house chores. Um, you know, as great as that would be to go back Perfect. to that, you know, I think we're, I think we'll be, but I think we're beyond that now. So, you know, we're in a situation where women are empowered and, um, I guess, well, <laughs> there's a lot of stuff you said, so I, I just want to kind of go through it. A okay, bit by bit. Okay. Now, the one other thing I really wanted to get into is this idea about who should be allowed to vote. Cause that's the kind of first thing you talked about. Okay. So the issue I've got is, so you're suggesting there should be certain criteria for how people should vote. Well, the issue you've got is even someone doesn't if someone doesn't meet your criteria, they're still going to be subject to the will of the government and they're going to be subject to whatever legislation they pass. So it just seems a bit unfair that someone's going to be in a situation where they're subjected to the will of the government and they've got literally no say in what that government does. I mean, even the founding fathers granted black people the three fifths rule. And it sounds like you don't even want to do that. Um, and you want to have people but that again, have got no would say. Not be I hate to jump in, but I, I, I got to no, say, this do. would not be the race wouldn't be there at all. I wouldn't put race in my okay. at all. I really wouldn't. I'm not I'm not just pandering either. OK, no, that's good. So that's good. So race is part of it. But but, you know, if you've got someone who, for whatever reason, doesn't say own a house, doesn't meet your criteria, why is it they're not entitled to their say at the ballot box? Um, you know, even though they're subject to the rules of the government that's being voted in. Well, I kind of already answered that, but uh, I, I said a lot, so I will reiterate. Uh, they don't necessarily have as much of a stake in the future of the survival and the and the prosperity of the civilization. And uh, someone without children and someone without property is much more likely, in my opinion, to vote for interests that are more uh, appeal to either their base needs or appeal to their emotions or just appeal to their immediately what's in front of them. Um, I think... In a, a truly capitalistic country, these disenfranchised people should be in some way given the tools to attain those goals so that they can become enfranchised. In Rome, it was you had to do 25 years of military service. That seems a little bit drastic today. Mm -hmm. but Like in a Rome, starship troopers, you can only become a citizen if you go into the military. Oh, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Now, now we're not a a, a war-based, you know, empire whose 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 uh, whose prosperity is dependent upon conquering and bringing back slaves. So, the criteria would have to be different. But that is a really strict criteria, and I think they had a much more stable country, a much more stable empire, uh, you know, and whatever. I'm, I almost just nerded out on the Roman Empire, but we'll, we'll skip that. We'll skip that. But the, 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 the reason why I said yes when you asked me about blacks and women in the beginning is because if we were to implement that rule uh, for property ownership and things like that, um, suddenly you'd have a, a much smaller number of blacks able to vote. And um, so that's why it, it would look like I have a racist policy here. But race is actually not factored into it. So, OK, with this, um, the first thing is, yes, there's some people that don't meet this criteria now, but they could be working towards it. So it's not, you know, they could just be in a situation in their lives where they're not at that stage of meeting this criteria that you've got. And the other thing, obviously, you know, taxation without representation 
was a big part of, of Americans' kind of uh, history and lifeblood. So would these people that don't get to vote, would they not have to pay tax then? No, they would, they would have to pay taxes. Right. So you've got to give money to the government, but you've got no say in well, who We've got to remember that the income it. tax didn't, uh, didn't come in until, what, like 19... 19- I can't remember what it was. Somewhere around the turn of the 20th century. I think it was after the turn of the 20th century. So the income tax didn't even exist when these rules were put in place, though. You were taxed on your property. So the property owners and the business owners in this scenario would be taxed at a much higher rate than the the individuals who weren't enfranchised. Okay, but you, but fundamentally, I mean, I mean, unless you want to change the tax structures as well, because obviously there's um, like sales tax, I guess, that you pay, and there's other forms of tax that even people that don't own property will will pay. So I, I well, guess the issue is, is like, I, you know, even if even if I don't necessarily agree, this is the best way to do it. Even if we agreed, I just don't know how you'd implement a system that disenfranchises certain people with criteria, and then you expect them to still engage in the same tax systems they do at the moment. And, you know, if you change the tax system, that then changes the budget of the U.S. government. And then does that then affect their ability to effectively finance the things they need to finance to keep the country running? Well, one of the things you'd have to do is repatriate uh, manufacturing that that's fled overseas over the last 50 to 60 years. Um, you can't I don't think there's a panacea here. Um, but listen, let's I, this is an interesting conversation. But the, the, but let's, sure. No, I'm sorry. I was going to say as well, the issue you've got with that, though, is if you do that, companies are going to have to increase their prices because they're going to have to pay people more to create products in America. Um, I, I don't know. This just seems like it's going to create a knock-on effect of all these issues that don't really seem tangible. For for what to to have some sort of what I would consider some sort of virtue signal about oh well you've not got the right level of property you can't vote. It just seems pointless to me. Uh, well, but the thing is, is that's how it was everywhere forever up until like the very recent past. You know, we used to shit. We... we used to shit in a hole in the floor, but we don't anymore. We've got things better <laughs> now. I don't know. Just because it was in the past doesn't make it good. Yeah, but they they did okay by my estimation. Um, well, better. So you think America a hundred years ago was better than it is today? That's a good question. I, it might be. Yeah, I I, I think it might be. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, I, I can I can be. I can give one factor where it may have been better, but just one. Where, from what I understand, a lot of the founding fathers, when they went to the prestigious universities, they were taught Latin. They were taught. Uh, Greek, they were taught all the classics. There's something nice about that. There's something about appreciating wisdom. Even the way people dressed, it looked very wise. Yeah, higher standards. Yeah. But, and I right, don't see... but they used to have a bath once a fucking week and they smelled like shit. Yes. What are you on about? It doesn't, it doesn't mean yeah, we no, have to... No, no, that's, have, that's no, not... but it doesn't mean we have to take everything. Like, my whole thing is what can we take from the past that was actually good and not take what was bad? And is there a way to do that? See, I'm not a I'm not a regressive conservative right winger. I'm a I'm a futurist. Okay, and part of the reason why I'm a futurist is because I don't think you can go back. I already said you open Pandora's box, uh, you let the cat out of the bag. You're not going to have the American populace vote for less uh, suffrage. It's just not going to happen. The whole point of suffrage is to 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 put because it was these types of things are often passed cynically. This is depicted very well in the first season of Boardwalk Empire. Uh, you have these uh, smarmy, cynical politicians who like who uh, cozy up to the women, the suffragettes. And uh, of course, they're ensured uh, uh, that they're going to be voted for once they help pass it. So it's done cynically. This is also what the right. Wait, that's accuses... a TV show, though. What's the history? Uh-huh. Is that true? 
I, I, yes, but I can't, I can't name anything other than Boardwalk Empire. Well, but no, I no, no, hold on. There are realistic examples. For example, but I, I, right, you, you, you had the Tammany, you had the Tammany Hall machine in New York City. That was a very uh, real example of these kind of politicians. I mean, that's not. I don't think it's a leap to say that that's how politics functions. Thank you, Lev. And that's kind of what the point I was trying to make. But I can give you a real example, just not with women, uh, with immigration. The right argues that the Democrats want all this illegal immigration to get more people to bolster their votes. Um, and, you know, I, you can't prove that. But I guess the numbers say it's pretty close. It's pretty close, especially uh, a lot of Latinos voted for Trump. But the numbers do bear out that they vote more Democrat at this point, at this stage, especially like first generation. So it's a cynical move to uh, grant more enfranchisement. But I had a different Wait, point. Wait, so, sorry, sorry, one sec. You're saying the Democrats want illegal immigrants to help them, but they're illegal immigrants. Oh. Unless you're suggesting what they're, they're doing these policies like Dream to get people. Oh, yeah, right. They bring vote. them in. Exactly. Event, they and they, eventually... they get they funnel them in illegally and they're like, come on, get in here. And, and then they, they have go, right. to keep. I'm not saying that that's what's happening. It looks like it to me. I'm not. I'm not. I uh... mean, under Biden, I don't know if the immigration policy is like, I mean, it's probably a bit less harsh than trump's maybe but i i don't know that it's oh become okay i gotta i gotta go in here i gotta go in here so new york times non-citizens right to vote becomes law in new york city this is official this is january 9th 2022 new york times so you guys can look it up but there we go that that's uh, one example yeah, to what they're i was talking about they're, they're doing it they're doing it sure um, but then but then no, no wait 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 that's just, you know, an acceptance that people that are already here should have some some right to say in their circumstances. But you would need to demonstrate that the Democrats are like intentionally funneling people illegally into the country. Well, let me tell you what the argument is. Let me tell you benefit. what the argument is, not necessarily what I believe. But the argument is that as these people put down roots and they get into the second and third generation, they start to vote conservative. So the Democrats need to continuously bring in a new source of uh, first generation immigrants to continually boost bolster their uh, voter rolls. That's how how the are they doing is. that, though? That's the argument. But how, well, how, are, slackening, they, how are they slackening doing policy. that? Slackening policy, they not, slackened enforcing policy the law, Biden? not enforcing the law. And there's some reports that some of the immigration stuff was worse under Obama. I don't know the ins and outs of it, sure. But like, yeah, but Obama was how many years ago now? 10, 12? So, so, but then surely you would see a slackening of, yeah, but then surely as soon as Biden got into power, if this is the case, you would have surely seen a slackening of immigration at the southern border, which, you know, is presumably a good source. No, 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 there's a slackening in the enforcement of the law. There's a massive influx of illegal immigrants, especially in 2020. It's like 8,000 a day. It's breaking records. Now, I don't think. How how do we, how do we know about these people if they're illegal though? What sort of tracking are we doing to track specifically illegal immigrants that are coming in? Hmm. Look, I don't, I, I don't want to get bogged down on that. Too, no, this, this is something obvious. we could. This is something I mean, we could look at later. There are refugee okay. camps in Tijuana, Mexico, full of thousands and thousands and thousands of immigrants and migrants from South America and Africa who are just sitting there, waiting for the the the, the security to slacken on the border and for the political situation to change. And that well, has happened. Two years. And now I don't know. They're they're, they've been around for two years already. Surely they'd have slipped in by now. Mm. If, no, oh, they couldn't yeah. have because well, they were enforcing the law. We have a comment from Gio who says they do it by amnesty the cities making border control legislation impossible etc and I mean, one listen. more thing wait well, one more thing i wanted to read from the new york times over here just so you guys are aware of what this measure is and i understand uh, chud uh, your response to uh, astral but just so you understand how ingrained at least in the united states this kind of thing is it says over here 
The measure applies to legal residents, including those with green cards and so-called dreamers who were brought to the country illegally as children, but were allowed to remain under a federal program known as DACA. So it's not saying that it's going to be people right jumping over the border and voting, although I am curious whether that happens too. But at the least, it is talking about their children, where I guess according to this theory, their children would be the new batch of immigrants that's going to now be voting in favor of the uh, Democrats for various uh, social policies. Well, and more and more immigration and enfranchisement and to be put on social welfare programs and things like that. And by the way, Chud, like, dude, uh, you can I read The New York Times every single day. That's my source. It's the most liberal paper in the country, at least the one with the biggest voice. So I'm not pulling this out of my ass and I'm not getting this from like Breitbart or not that I have a problem with Breitbart, but I'm not getting it from some right wing, you know, out that gets slandered all the time by by the left sure i'm just i'm just highlighting that this whole premise would would you know it seems to hinge on the idea that the democrats are intentionally getting illegal immigrants into the country in order yeah, to and that's what the, the right wing argues that's what the right argues i don't i don't think it's true because but you could you could paint this like ridiculous scenario in which there's like recruiters down in south america like finding people in the barrios and like shipping them north but uh, there are people doing that. They're called coyotes, and they're 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 like drug cartel members, and they're the ones bringing them north for a fee. But but that's nothing to do with the Democrats, though. That's that's just because they want no, money. No, it from has people to do with the Democrats, the though. It How does. so? It does. Well, because, in Mexico. Yeah, because they know what the policy is. They know uh, uh, which you know administration is friendly to them coming north, and they know which administration. I mean, this is all. Look, this is all like, this is all like easily. This is just open. I mean, the Democrats say this. Like, it's not even I'm not you know what I'm saying? Like, this isn't even really something that can be debated. It's just it's just well, I know, but I, I think you're attributing. It seems to me like you're attributing some sort of conspiracy almost of, of like people getting brought across the border to swell the Democrat voter base. I think the, well, the they're not answer... being brought across the border. They're being allowed across the border. OK, but mm. OK. So what what specifically has Biden done since he's been in office to alleviate um, the border controls to let people come in illegally into the country? I'd have to go research the specifics, but there what it comes down to, like there's there's laws that uh, Trump put in place or that that expire that are being argued about in court right now. I can't think of the names of them all because this isn't my area of interest. I mean, I'm interested in it, but I, this isn't. We've got to get back to women's rights. Now, let's no, get back fine, to women's rights. Fine. But, we'll but, women's rights. We'll but the last track. thing I'll say is that it's simply the refusal to enforce the laws that are in place that the Biden administration is openly refusing to enforce, that the New York Times is openly uh, rallying people to oppose because they think it's inhumane. I mean, it's not. Hmm. It's, it's OK, so if it, you're saying it sounds like a conspiracy. And to be honest with you, after the pandemic of 2020, I don't see how any. And, and after the Jeffrey Epstein blow up, I don't see how anybody can be against conspiracies. And I remember when I was a leftist, like we were the guys talking about conspiracies all the time. Uh, so the conspiracy angle is that the Democrats are doing this on purpose, but it, you don't need that angle for this argument. You don't need to make that that take that angle at all. You could just call it opportunism and you can just call it a short sighted mm. policy enforcement. I, I could give you one personal uh, anecdote from my uh, father who used to be uh, when we first uh, came to the United States. He was in the union, uh, the uh, Carpenters Union. 
and inside of the union, they brought everybody together to make sure everybody votes Democrats. They were busing uh, people into these various uh, stops to vote. I don't remember if they were doing it multiple times or not, but uh, there was definitely a very specific uh, agenda uh, that the union wanted to uphold. So that is just one, again, personal example. It's not something that I could just like put on a piece of paper as a scientific paper and hand to you. But I don't think it's out of the ordinary for these kind of things to occur. I guess the question is, how much are they occurring? And to uh, what extent does that change the outcome? Well, to connect this back to women, I do think that part of the part of the reason why they're not enforcing these laws and part of the reason why they're uh, allowing them in is actually out of uh, humane, you know, uh, proclivities that they have and and, and empathy. And um, <laughs> this is I'm laughing because this is going to sound maybe ridiculous, but like I think it's like when women run the institutions of government, things like empathy and the motherly instinct are going to come to the fore and they're going to affect policy decision. I mean, I don't think because if somebody like like a man was going to do it like Biden, if he didn't really believe it, it's just it's just going to be pandering. It's just going to be pandering to his base. And you can see the Democrats do that all the time. But obviously, you know, this is like the weekend at Bernie's presidency. Biden is not uh, making I don't think Biden has any clue what's going on. Um, and I don't think he's directly doing I think this is just the cadre of women who run the press and who run the, you know, the cabinet and opportunistic panderers who uh, some of them have. The, the bolstering the voter rolls in mind that I'm talking about, but some of them truly are just m motivated by empathy, which is why we need to uh, only allow certain people to vote because they're not going to make, you know, they're not going to take recourse to empathy to say like, oh, well, I feel bad for this demographic of person. So I'm going to vote for a policy that, you know, takes my property away and takes my inheritance to my children away. They're just not going to do it. So empathy can't override a thing like that. And, you know, if a woman... <sighs> <laughs> oh, I, wait, I, sorry. Wait. I just want to say I, I feel like we've so we've moved on. So the talk move on. Let's now move is, on. is is, is for, we've we've done from well, not you personally, but I feel like the discourse now. So we're moving on from like say the Jewish question, and we're moving now to <laughs> the woman question. Right? That's where we are. Should wait, women? Were we, when were we talking about the Jewish question? Are you? Being... Well, no, we weren't. But I'm saying that's what we can move to. We'll talk about the woman question. You know? Yeah, let's mm. talk about the woman question. Guess. Wait, before but... before the woman question, uh, as I wrote to you, it would be interesting to get a zero HP Lovecraft in here if he's around, but only chat. Yeah, sure. And... All right, let me uh, let me see uh, if he's is around. He here? Uh, he uh, says he may be available, so let me see if I could send him the thing and get this started. But also, once again, we are streaming this on BreakTheRules.tv for Chud Logic's audience on Twitch. You know you want it. Go in here, subscribe to Break the Rules right now, and listen. This Tuesday, we are going to have Sticks Hex and Hammer Six 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 for a uh, gun debate, and that is going to be a very interesting one. That is going to be versus Jack Cacciarella, who is a uh, Zoomer who I believe is working together with. The Democratic Party, who is very anti-gun. That is 8 a.m. this coming Tuesday, so be sure to check that out. Subscribe. I'm going to work on bringing in zero HP Lovecraft. But yes, let's start the women question. Uh, Astral, go ahead, buddy. How do we want to breach the subject here? Because I've already kind well, of... Uh, okay, I, I, let me... Yeah, go ahead. Because I think that, to me, your explanation is it doesn't connect with my understanding of how structures of society work. Because what... Honestly, that sounds like a kind of identity politics argument that you'd hear from a liberal of like, oh, we just need to get a black person in charge or a woman in charge and everything will be better because we've got more perspectives. So it seems like you're saying that a womanly perspective leads to institutions 
um, having a different outcome. And I don't really think that's true. I think it's irrelevant whether it's a man, woman, a black person, a Jewish person, whoever, who runs these structures. I think because of the way these structures function in society, they're going to continue to produce the same or similar outcomes regardless of who's in charge of them. I don't think having like a few women at the, the, the controls is going to massively change that. Um, and whilst I think there are kind of differences that you see as different um, uh, pr presidents come through and different governments take control of countries, uh, broadly speaking, I think you, you tend to see a kind of like an overarching um, uh, situation occurring, whether it's a man, woman or whoever. I mean, Barack Obama is a great example of this. A black man is the president. I don't think um, has solved, you know, the issues that, that black people face in America. So I don't know if... if that's necessarily indicative that one's identity is going to, you know, lead to massively different outcomes if they're leading an institution. Well, <laughs> I got a couple of things to say to that. First, I, I think, unfortunately, more often than maybe not more often than not, but too often, uh, once it comes down to brass tacks about disenfranchising someone of their identity group, they're going to suddenly go from being, a, you know, a disinterested uh, technocrat to being a uh, impassioned advocate for whatever that particular right or interest group is that that's at under threat so you might have somebody of a certain minority group who's right there with you on policy and then all of a sudden that policy uh affects their group and they change tack all of a sudden and, and they and they radically oppose it i see it time and time again just in individuals around me as well as um as well as uh you know like let's use Lori lightfoot as an example she is both black and a woman and gay so she she, and she the checks. Batman villain. <laughs> she's she's taking three boxes on the identity checklist. She's yeah. checking three boxes. And uh, we can ask ourselves, why is Chicago in the state that it's in? Well, on the one hand, you can point to another place like California where things are out of control and you have uh, white people in charge. So I wouldn't necessarily reduce it to the fact that she's uh, black. And you have places like... Um, New York City, where a man was just in charge, a white man was just in charge for a long time, and things got flushed down the toilet there. Uh, so you can't necessarily reduce it to the fact that she's a woman. However, it goes back to what I was saying about priorities, that, um, you know, she's passing laws about, uh, you know, LGBTQ issues, that you're not allowed to say this or that, whatever, whatever it was that she passed recently, um, which boils down to her identity. And... I don't think there's any room for policymaking or decision-making. Uh, now, now, does a man necessarily – is a man necessarily free from uh, getting trapped in those things? Well, mm. not necessarily. However, I would rather if they're going to uh, revert to the brass tacks, like uh, the, their own base and also their own base of their life, I would much rather have something to do with like uh, their employment – or to do with their means of revenue, like their business, or with their property, or with their inheritance, than to their identity. You know what I'm saying? There's one more thing I want to add sense? with, with Lori Lightfoot. Uh, Chicago's mayor limits interviews to reporters of color. So that's another thing, by the way, not uh, to uh, bring in here with her. But anyway. It limits. Well, see yeah. what I mean? It's even worse than the example I had in my mind. I'll have to look it up. 
So uh, I, I, I guess my response to that, and you, you said it yourself, men have run, run cities into the ground. I think this is less an issue of identity and more so an issue of you have good politicians and bad politicians. Um, and good politicians can help in some way to make a make a place and bad politicians can potentially destroy it with bad legislation. You know, I don't know the ins and outs of these places we're talking about. Um, but certainly as well as that, there's also a variety of factors that affects the state of a, uh, a state or a country that go beyond the politician in charge. Um, you know, there's material realities that exist, even on a more granular scale, if you look at it at a state by state level, like, you know, labor power is one example, you know, industry, what buildings are there, what's produced there. Um, so these other factors can come into play as well. And as they say over here, you can't polish a turd. So if you do have a place which has got a lot of fundamental issues, it doesn't really matter what politician you've got. Um, you're going to have bad outcomes because there's material realities that exist that you cannot push back against, even with the best policy in the world. Yeah, but I mean, there is a glaring uh, turd right in the punch bowl of a place like Chicago. Like, what is the demographic that's that's uh, creating these problems? And and do Ugh. we? No, oh, that that was not put really well. <laughs> <laughs> so okay let's wait, what are you cringing at man what are you, wait, wait, what are you cringing you're saying at? it's the blacks aren't you let's get to the chase here come on clearly i mean are there white people shooting each other in in chicago in inner city chicago is there a gun I mean, problem white among... people, i mean there's white people that shoot each other sure um in other places yeah but i is don't the think chicago i don't think shooting people is unique to black ep- people is it is a is the chicago gun violence epidemic uh attributable to to whites and the well, New York City okay. gun violence epidemic. I guess the, the question would be, are they doing that because they're black or are they doing that because the material circumstances lead to that outcome? Um, I think that's a hard question to answer. And I don't think that it's the material circumstances because you have poor people. So all it's because they're black. Well, you, 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 it could be because well, they have access. There? No, no, no. Hold on. Be? No, I'm giving a real answer. I'm giving a real answer. It okay, could be because on. of the recourse. Uh, excuse me, because of the availability they have to uh, to guns. To their access to guns, which is a civil liberty. Now, the problem with that argument is that uh, they're getting the guns illegally, which okay. is a civil well, liberty. That's, that's their, well, that's a, you know, that's a material circumstance. There's legislation that's in place that has an impact on the way that guns move about in that state, which means they have to access guns illegally. I mean, so what's the solution there, I guess, is something to get to, too, because you know, make guns more illegal. I mean, I guess the real, mm. real answer would be you have some sort of like extra police effort to resolve this illegal gun situation. But I don't the know. The problem is, though, is most most of these crimes, these inner city shootings are being perpetrated by people with handguns and handguns are the most highly regulated guns in America. So uh, that that's that's kind of why the civil liberties debate is like problematic for me not to use. I hate to use a buzzword. But uh, the civil liberties debate is like you can only get so much done with the civil liberties debate because people feel their civil liberties are being curtailed when it comes to access to firearms because the people who don't use them illegally and don't murder people with them say, why should I be limited? Because this other Mm. group of people is uh, getting them illegally. So, you know, it's it's almost like a deadlock. It's almost like Mm. there's there's a a way I could balance the two of you uh, in terms of uh, views. So. On one hand, uh, you were talking about the uh, racial things, and then you were talking about the guns. Here's how I would uh, say it, what I personally think is going on here. In terms of uh, the reason I think it's culture, 
and by culture what i mean is what is what gets passed down from uh, parents to children over a course of several generations for example you have the north koreans and you have the south koreans not that much time has passed but already their culture is very different you also have in my case the uh, russians who were under the mongols for a very long time they were enslaved they were treated like animals and i think it reflects on how the entire ussr ended up uh functioning as far as the amount of darkness and cruelty in there and it had nothing to do with their genetics uh, dna it had to do with what they passed down what were the values that they passed down and it didn't mean that there weren't amazing people like i always talk about the writer anton Chekhov, whose father was a serf but i do think that it is important to focus on what are the cultural influences that I are going agree to be with around that. and i agree with that and that's why i don't identify with like the genetic you know, geneticist, racist on the right, on the right. I don't, I don't ever pay attention to that. I don't care about it. And I don't think that there's some genetic inferiority about black people that makes them, uh, you know, kill each other in higher numbers. I just think it's a reality that needs to be dealt with. And I don't know if, and you know, I threw out New York city about the plunging crime rates. I forgot, totally forgot the fact that when I said that the mayor's son was African-American, he had a, a mixed race son with his, uh, with his black wife. Now I don't have a problem with mixed race children, people on the right, bang on about that all the time all i'm saying is that that is going to play into his decision making and his policy making uh and and barack obama said it explicitly when he said i think it was michael tracy uh it could be his son or maybe it was trayvon martin could be his son well because trayvon martin looks like somebody who could be your son does that mean that we have to have like martial law for everybody in the country because of what happened with Trayvon Martin and, and George Zimmerman, like the stand your ground law. Maybe the stand your ground law is a good law that we need to retain, but because the president's son looks like somebody who was a victim of it, uh, we have to change potentially what a good law is. You know, I don't think these are the criteria upon which you, you should change these laws. And to Lev's point about the culture in which you're raised, the reality is, is that um, it, it really doesn't come down to the genetic inferiority or superiority of a man or a woman for me at the end of the day. What it comes down to is like the people who were running this country for the longest time came from the aristocracy or they came from like the blue bloods and they had a tradition of owning property. They had a tradition of making policy decisions. They had a tradition of being indoctrinated into the Ivy League schools and they were being trained you know, someone like Bill Clinton, who I don't endorse and I don't support, but a guy like him was trained to be a politician and a, and a world leader through the uh, road. Uh, he was a Rhodes Scholar. So these are institutions that are set up specifically to help people run the institutions of the world. And to just start like putting people into these positions because of their identity is like it's basically suicide, in my opinion. Now, I'm not saying that like the I think that these institutions become sclerotic and the aristocracy becomes sclerotic. And I think France collapsed under its own weight because of its own uh, the, the shortcomings of its own aristocracy and the things and the decisions that they were doing were completely ridiculous and unsustainable and indefensible. But there has to be some sort of balance where you have like well-trained people who are ready for the responsibility uh, uh, over someone like Kamala Harris, right, who like slept her way up to becoming the D.A., or whatever she was for uh, uh, California. Wait, is that true? Did she just, did she do some suck jobs to get into her office? <laughs> that's that's the story, man. Okay. Yeah, that's Damn. the story. 
you well, get that's, my that's, point, that's, though? You, think, you get where I'm going with this, though, about the, the institutions and how – and this is why I say I'm not like a far-right person like some of these other guys might be because I don't think it's inherently the fact of someone's gender or race that makes them inferior. It's the, it's the traditions that we have in this country that were made for like certain people to be the leaders and to like overturn that is not something that can happen in one generation. I, I'm talking too much. I'll let Chud no, come back because right. I do appreciate your uh, position. No, it's all good. It's all good. Um, yeah, I mean, I think because the thing is for me is, you know, I don't think that you're uh, I think, you know, there's a few things you said, which, uh, as they say, are a bit uh, sussy to use the uh, the meme. But like, I think broadly speaking, uh, yeah, I, I understand where you're coming from. I guess I guess that for me, if you were looking at, say, Chicago and I don't you know, I'm not an expert on Chicago crime rates, you know, but let's say we agree that there's some sort of massive issue that exists and black people are shooting each other left, right and center. To me, and this is where we get to the gun thing. Well, is there some issue there? Is there some fundamental issue that's occurring that's leading to these outcomes? Because I feel like often um, right wing kind of ideas um, can be about we've got a problem. You know, how do we put a plaster over it? Right. How do we fix it by putting a plaster over it? Whereas really you want to get to like the root of the issue and figure mm. out what that is and try and fix whatever that is. And I presume in Chicago, there's probably like a lot of um, like historic poverty in these areas that leads people to crime. Um, and it's about- mm. like, I, I don't, I don't think it's poverty though. And here's why I really lean on family and culture being the most important thing. There is, I think it's one of the poorest, if not the poorest town in the United States. It's called uh, Cures Joel. And it is also one of the least- crime-ridden places in the United States. Now, you would think that that would be, you know, that wouldn't really go together. How could you have a place with so much poverty and so little crime? It's a Hasidic Jewish neighborhood. So when it comes to the kind of culture that the Hasidic Jews have, it would be very different. It would be very focusing on the family, making sure that everybody sticks together. And there is a uh, black businesswoman who I was speaking to uh, quite recently who talked about uh, her story, how she ended up going out of the ghetto, how she started her own uh, business. And she talked about how she looked around and she couldn't find any suitable husband. Like the people who are around her neighborhood, these were not the kind of men that she would want to settle down with. Because as she said, the moment that she would settle down with them, they would run away. You know, they wouldn't want to be around for when the child is born. So she took a different path. And she didn't find anybody from, let's say, the upper classes. Because according to her, you know, they already had uh, uh, enough women around them who were also of the same class. So she was kind of stuck. So she decided to just go... Living single, if you guys remember that TV show, you know, just go full independent and start her own business. And, you know, she's enjoying life. But the point is, is that these okay. are these What are the fuck has an Hasidic are... Jewish community got to do with what we're talking about? What's your solution? Turn everyone to a fucking Hasidic Jew. What, what, <laughs> what, what the fuck is this? So I'm not the... sure what Astro thinks about turning everyone into a Jew. I don't know. Focus on me. the family. Focus on the family. That's the solution. Yes, because, fa yes. Family is an aspect of it. And guess what? Beth, you know, I'd imagine that a stronger family unit, probably not necessarily a family unit, like or understanding of what a family unit is is obviously different over the ages but at least having children in an environment where they're brought up in such a way as to have plenty uh, people there to meet whatever their needs are right like there's this idea of a community raises a kid right so it's not just like the parents you have family members extended family getting involved to help raising a kid so yeah i'm obviously all for giving children as much as they possibly can get to help them develop and stuff like that 
But, you know, I think that there's probably a combination of factors here. Um, I'd imagine that as well as poverty, yeah, there might be family issues. If it's an area that's riddled with crime, you've probably got this thing where the father's involved in crime in some way. They get locked up, not there to bring up their kid, and they fall into the same pattern. Um, you know, I grew up on a council estate, which is like kind of, um, you know, like a area of welfare housing in the UK. And there were certainly uh, issues like that, even though mine wasn't that bad. But there were issues where you'd have families that would get into habits and they'd follow their parents. And if their parents set a bad example, guess what? they follow that as well yeah um so yeah you know i don't have a problem problem with that i think that's that's good but this is what i'm talking about you know if you've got an area that's got these issues it's about trying to understand what those issues are at a fundamental level and and, and trying to fix those you know pointing to examples where there's other places where it's working is great but it's like well what are they doing differently that we can implement there because we agree it's not down to race so there must be something they're doing differently that this area isn't we need to tap into that to try and you know it's the culture. It was the culture that was passed down for countless generations. That's what enabled there to be this very yeah, close linkage. I, it, the reason we call it global homo is because they're working on eroding the family structure. That's the problem I have with like uh, you know teaching gay things in school and things like that because all of this push towards LGBTQ is further eroding the family structure. And when the family structure is eroded, uh, you start to see really big problems. And there are lots of people on the right. Probably the biggest name one that I would refer anybody to is Steve Saylor, who point out, and even, um, what's the other guy's name? Charles Murray. These guys don't say that these people are genetically inferior and there's something about them that makes them more violent than white people at all. What they say is they're raised in fatherless households. And Alexander Bard talks about this all the time. The reason they're raised in, Ale uh, the reason they're raised in fatherless households is because of the fucking drug laws and because the drugs are being flooded into the country by the CIA. And they're being flooded into the country, frankly, by people in Latin America drug cartels and communists, literal communist uh, 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 guerrilla armies are cultivating and flooding drugs into our country. And this is the type of thing that erodes and degrades inner city families. So then they revert to a different structure, a gang warfare structure, which is what precipitates all this violence. And then it just starts to spiral out of control where you have these uh, people growing up in these conditions who, you know, you, you can't. Well, I could go on. So, I could okay. go on. I, I think, you see where I'm saying? Okay. You see what I I'm think, saying about... I, I think one thing just to highlight there, though, is that um, drugs exist in America and are imported to America because there's a demand for them. In society, there's a demand for... Yeah, that's what know. people say. If there's a demand for them, then the government needs to come down and clamp down on it. Just because well, I, you know, I guess, I guess what would the solution be? Like, I agree that, you know, we don't want illicit drugs flooding into the country and ruining communities. I, I totally agree. Aside from um, enforcement and stopping this at the border and, and implementing policy that, you know, beefs up the legal response to illicit narcotics. I guess I don't know what the, the solution is, but that would be, again, you know, yeah, increase it so that these communities are protected, maybe more so from from drugs. I can, you know, I can give a solution. So okay. here's, here's my solution. There would have to be an incredibly well-funded effort to be able to reach out to the kids who are, again, like in a very young, impressionable age, like four years old to six years old, and be able to give them role models, not just like somebody coming in and say, well, it would be nice if you did A, B, and C, but having somebody be permanently there or better yet, bring them into the kind of environment where they would be able to have great role models around them all the time, be able to work on those kids so that when they grow up, they're not going to be in the same situation. Yeah, but if they're growing up in an environment where drugs are flooding the streets like they are now, it's, it's hopeless in my opinion. It's it is. That's what, that's what I'm saying. Take them out of that environment. Bring them into a different environment so that we could start over. 
as far as the kids who are 13, 14, I don't know what to say. I don't think anything oh, can be done. It's too late. Just fucking kill them. No, no, no come on. No, Let come me on. ask a, it's, a, it's a, a matter question. Of, it's a matter of people are going to be thrown in jail for committing crimes. That's the nature of uh, the beast. As far as the future generations of kids, so that that's prevented, what we have to do is we have to make sure that they have great role models from the very beginning when they're still at a very impressionable age. That's the way to do it. Well, it's we're so far down the rabbit hole with this kind of shit, though, that I, you know, I don't know. I, I, listen, let me let me ask Lev a question though, because my time right. is starting to run out here. Lev, you you want to talk about like what civil liberties would you take away, right, to like fix some of society's problems? And you want to talk about free speech and women, which I'm happy to do. But when it comes to civil liberties, like besides the the right to vote. I don't think women's empowerment is actually a result of civil liberties, unless unless I'm missing something painfully obvious. Or, or did you specifically just mean the right to vote? I would say uh, if we're talking about women, one of the things that you also wanted to mention was uh, contraceptives. Uh, that's a very big one as well. So I'm not sure which particular uh, area you would also right, want well, to focus Ch on. Chud Logic, where do you stand on like uh, contraceptives and abortion? I, I, I think I, I mean, I can intuit, but. Yeah, sure. So um, I'm, I'm okay having some limit on abortion unless it's medically necessary for the protection of the, the mother, say. Um, you know, we have, I think it's like 22 weeks or something we could obviously you know have a discussion about where that should be um but i think that, that certainly a first trimester um I, I don't personally have a problem with it but that's probably going to come down to a difference in opinion of when life starts between us so i don't know if we want to get in, into that um but i guess i guess if we're not going to talk about that though there's a more pragmatic issue at play as well and i i think that i mean i think um lev sent me a bit of insight into what what you think i think the issue with the legalized making abortion illegal um, is you create a market for black market abortions, which are more dangerous and will probably lead to more harm for fetuses and for mothers. So, you know, I'm not sure if like making it illegal is is necessarily a good pragmatic solution. Um, but yeah, broadly speaking, I'm supportive, certainly in the first trimester with limits past that for medical necessity. That's roughly my position. That's, that's good. I, I agree. Uh, largely agree with you um see this is another another example where maybe people are going to be disappointed because the way i look at it is unfortunately it you're you're correct if we banned abortion tomorrow there was going to be black market abortions and there's going to be an increase in uh medical problems if not death right i also believe that abortion is murder and that it on an ethical level i would like it to be illegal i don't think it's a practical move to make so if you someone like me wants there to be and this is why the re traditional Republicans piss me off that if you want there to be less abortion, if your goal is to have less women getting abortions, um, one of the measures you can take is increase the access to contraceptives and even, you know, dare I say it, increase education about contraceptives, um, even. And this is where I'm getting I'm going to really lose my uh, bona fides here is even maybe pro provide them through through tax money or make them uh widely available in some way to to uh, at-risk demographics who are who are parenting illegitimate children um but i do think all of these things have to be situated within like a broader reform context right so you need to have like more support for families um 
uh, but but the support right the, the problem is is the way things are now is like we have the government p- policy support where like you have welfare and stuff and in my opinion all that does is like encourage people to just be irresponsible you need the s- social and the familial support like lev is talking about like if you have an unwanted pregnancy as a 19 year old girl uh, one of the key factors here in getting rid of abortion or at least lessening the rate of abortion is for them to have a family that they can go to who's going to tell them they're going to help them raise the fam- the child and they're going to help to support them. And you have to have some sort of uh, impetus for the man to stay with them. A strong father figure, right, who's armed might be a good uh, a good uh, uh, persuasive factor for the father to stay involved in his child's life. So a, a whole bunch of different things have to happen. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I think that, um, like, you know, f- abstinence is, you know, not a, a realistic goal. I think regardless of what your perspective on sex outside of marriage is, the toothpaste out of the tube and people are fucking and we've got to kind of deal with that reality. I agree. So, yeah, I think I think that that's uh, a pr- pretty reasonable. And I think that, yeah, you're kind of addressing the big concern, which is some Republicans will, you know, push this anti-abortion legislation, but they won't you know, consider it's like that meme, which has got some truth in it is they care about pregnancy up until it's, you know, out of the body and a baby. And then it's like, right, look after yourselves. And it's like, you know, you're going to have a reality then of people who, who are, you know, 18, 19, 20, they don't have a family and they're going to need some support. Um, and yeah, I, I do wonder if like, um, you know, throwing money at it through the welfare state is, is the right response. Um, I don't know if there's more the government can do to set up facilities to help, um, young mothers who don't have a family look after their children more advice more funding for that yeah there's probably lots of things that can be done to help improve that because you know whilst i uh, support uh, abortion you know I, I don't like the idea of someone wanting to have a kid and feeling that they can't because they can't financially afford to that's kind of tragic to me I you know agree. um purely out of an economic reason getting rid of a kid is, is is tragic so if there was a way that they could have it supported so they can look after their kid then that would be good and yeah sure they don't have to and, make that horrible decision and a big part of the problem here is right you, you were talking about uh the, the washing machine and the dishwasher and things like that leading to the liberation of women well i don't necessarily think that it follows from that that women are then liberated and then therefore there's a bunch of single parents around with illegitimate children and there's a bunch of women getting uh, abortions because i i know plenty uh, middle income, lower or upper middle class, middle income families where both parents work and they stay together and they stay married and they um, they they raise children. So I do think a lot of this is cultural, you know, because those families are going to be more stable than a single mom and those children are going to grow up to be more stable. I think the statistics just play this out. So there's got to be other elements coming in right besides just the dishwasher and the and the and the and the washing machine uh allowing women to move into the workforce that's tearing families apart um and some of those factors might be things like sexual liberation and some people could argue that sexual liberation just automatically follows from uh from uh uh women entering the workforce that all these things are inevitable they're inevitable contingencies that no matter what we did, no matter what we chose, we would have ended up where we are now. But the sad truth is, is that um, there's just too much temptation in the world. There's just too much out there. Things, <laughs> raising a family is hard. You know, staying with the same person is hard. Like seeing people through the 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 downtime is hard. And it's really easy in today's society to go online and see, like, oh wow, look how great 
I could have it if I just left my husband or if I just left my wife. You know, men are just as culpable in this situation. I yeah, I, I think I, I I think I somewhat agree in terms of like I think for me it's more about the commodification of basic social interaction like dating, which is, has also been a massive contributor to some of these problems. I think affairs have always been a thing. Um but I think that historically religious kind of like sentiment has meant that people have felt they've had to stay with someone in order to honor their vows, even if there's been some sort of infidelity or something like that. Um you know, I would say that like marriage probably as an institution um, is, is is less seriously considered. Now, that's got its upsides. Like, I'm sure there's plenty of abusive relationships that probably occurred like 70, 80 years ago that now are ended because people feel more free to end a marriage if it's not working for them. Um, but, yeah, I, I think, you know, there's certainly relationships that end not because of any sort of meaningful, substantive reason, but just because people aren't willing to put the effort to be with that person and, um, you know, raise a family or whatever it may be. So, um yeah, I mean, I, I think that, like I say, the way that we've got this creeping commodification of various aspects of our personal interactions is probably a big contributor to this problem. And sites like Tinder definitely perpetuate infidelity on a level we probably, you know, haven't seen in, in ever in history. And mm. that's a problem, sure. Well, I have the following question for Chad Logic as far as just the psychology of uh, most people. There is that phrase that ideas don't um, people don't have ideas. Ideas have people. How much do you think people are malleable in the decisions that they make in everyday life to such an extent that, let's say, if you chose to raise them with a certain belief system, certain ideas of what's right and wrong, then you would be able to have a better society. You could say, well, they didn't have the freedom to seek out their own path, but then again how much would those people have been seeking their own path as opposed to being influenced by the advertisements that they see? I don't have an answer to that question, but I'm just curious, like where, where you stand on uh, the free will of the human being to make these kind of decisions. I, I don't, I don't think, I don't really think free will truly exists. I think that um, the choices we make are kind of an illusion and we're guided largely by our material circumstances. Um, so, uh, you know, I think that any decisions we make, right or wrong, good or bad, are not uh, are formulated as a result of all the experiences we've had up until this day. So it's kind of like we, we can't make any other decision than the decision that we make because that's what we've been programmed to do our entire lives. So I agree that if you take a young kid and you have different inputs into them, that's naturally going to have a different impact. Um you know, because you get you get children that are the same race, class, everything and say a neighborhood next to each other. You know, the food that they eat growing up could have a differing impact on how they end up. The way they're parented can have a different impact on how they grow up. So I think that, you know, giving children the best start in life and giving them the best stuff is is naturally going to lead to better outcomes for them. But then the difficulty comes in is, you know, I'm sure that Astro will have very different opinions on what the best stuff is versus what, you know, I would probably or in some cases anyway. Well, what, what do you mean? Um, well, I mean, you know, I guess, I guess, for example, well, I mean, you, you kind of softened a bit, well, not softened, but you, when you were talking about like the LGBT stuff, I, I guess, you know, we could get more clarity, but like, I wouldn't have a problem with my kids, um, at the right age, learning that there's, um, people who have got different configurations of a relationship that aren't the same as say mine would be. And it seems like you would have some issue with that at any point. Maybe I'm wrong uh yeah i i i think yeah i mean i don't i have my only response to that is a very boring one that i think a, a child need children need a man and a woman to kind of create that 
uh, balance when they're being raised. And uh, I think they, well, whatever. That That's as far as I want to go right now. Hmm. No, 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 that's, that's fine. I just, you know, I think that, that, but you know, even if it's not us strongly disagreeing on something, that tends to be the issue is like, what is the best thing to give a child that's going to lead to the best outcome? So hmm. there's some basics, like having two parental figures is a tick in the box, you know? Um, having a, a three square meals a day of good nutrition, there's another tick in the box, a good education. I don't know about the three. There's an argument to be said for two or even one. I was going to bring up education. I think yeah. that's somewhere somewhere we can agree on. But mm. but with, with education, though, there was, uh, you know, that recent brouhaha about uh, not just critical race theory, but also if we're talking about the drag queen story hour, things of that nature. And I understand it's not like every single school this is going on, but the tendency that I'm noticing just in general, like what is being focused on are things that are very, you know, forget the sexual references, forget any of that stuff, more of just the uh, the level of how powerful something is how uh what's the right word here how much the bar is raised in terms of what kids are absorbing if we're having somebody who comes in you know shakes their butt you know takes a wig off puts a wig on and everybody's supposed to say yas queen slay i don't even <laughs> care about the sexual references what i care about more is that it's very empty it's very uh yeah, they're not learning algebra yeah they're not learning algebra and, and reading and writing skills when that's happening well is I that mean, what you mean love that is close, but I wouldn't even say just algebra, reading, or writing. I mean, in general, being inspired by things that are greater than whatever it is that's currently being uh, uh, pumped into kids' heads. I'll give you another example. It's like kids' meals. One thing, being a Russian immigrant to the U.S. that I've noticed is how horrible all the kids' meals are. Like when you go to a restaurant, for the kids' meals, they would usually have the things that have most sugar in it, you know, the most carbohydrates, you know, things that children be quickly addicted to. And I would say the same thing with education. I would say a similar thing with kids' entertainment. It seems like they lower the bar so low for those kind of experiences, where when I look back at uh, the kind of things that inspired me, these were not things that were taught in school. These were things that I got from my family. These like high level things these were you know things having to do with uh even folk tales that were passed on from generation to generation things that have some kind of soul in it you know these are well, the things yeah, that but, i think are lacking well look just to just to um uh sorry hang on just to bring it back here because i have to go in a minute um i i i i know chud has been presenting an argument that's counter to this but i just don't i still at the end of the day don't see how to fix the problem society has right now without uh, curtailing some civil liberties and you know interestingly enough i was trying to find that uh lord lightfoot just put out a statement or passed some some legislation about empowering uh you know bisexual lgbtq people and i was looking for that and one i never found it but as i was looking for it i came across the fact and i had forgotten this she implemented a curfew that no one under 16 or under 18 whatever it was can be out after dark and that is a curtailing of the civil liberties and she's doing it as a as a drastic measure to try to cut down on the inner city gun violence um and that is a curtailment of people's civil liberties and there are people who are arguing against that that, that so, she shouldn't be doing yeah. that yeah i mean you know i i think what that strikes me as without obviously knowing the details is this is like the polit you know a politician's response is to put a plaster over an issue, which is that teenagers are engaged in gun violence and they're saying, right, don't go out after dark. There we go. Problem solved. 
you know, I'm saying this without knowing the details, but to me, that's a really lazy way to legislate. If it's part of a longer term solution, maybe, um, you know, like I'm not completely against the idea of in some circumstances containing civil liberties for the greater good. Context dependent is fine. Um, but to me, it just strikes me as, yeah, well, what are you doing to fix the fundamental issue of 16 year old? If you've got an issue with 16 year olds out after dark engaging in crime, you've got a more fundamental I would call it a rot, I guess, in your society that you need to fix that goes beyond just kids being out after dark. Um, so, mm. yeah. Yeah, no, this is this is just an emergency yeah. drastic measure to, to, to stop the bleeding right now. Well, we could also look at things like the Marshall Plan after World War II. Now people could say that the cultures were maybe uh, uh, ready to accept certain things if we're talking about Japan and if we're talking about after the Korean War, uh, South Korea. But still, we had so much money and time that was devoted to working on, uh, you know, working on the educational system in these countries. And I think it did pay off if we're talking about you know, even something like in Japan, where it used to be the norm to have these rickshaws, where, you know, people drive you around and people were, were used as human footstools, you know, that ended up going away. So I really do think that there is something to the idea of just devoting a lot of time and energy in order to improve the culture for the sake of uh, everybody in the United States. Yeah, I just, I want to go back just a little bit to the education thing. And like, my position is, is, you know, not too controversial, I don't think. I think that um, there should be a curriculum that um, experts in child development look at and analyze and determine that is legitimate. And whilst, you know, I know the Libs are TikTok meme, you've got all these blue-haired teachers talking about being gay and shit. Some of that's a bit overblown, but there are definitely, I've seen some of those. And I think, look, you're teaching a fucking kindergarten class, okay? You being polyamorous is a fucking irrelevance to, to three-year-olds and four-year-olds. So don't fucking talk about that shit. So, you know, I think it's about having um, a curriculum and reasonable limitations set on teachers. Because do I think that three-year-olds should be learning about polyamory? No, that sounds like fucking craziness to me. But do I think that, uh, you know, a teacher should be able to mention that they've got a husband if they're a dude? That's not that big a deal, you know? So I think that as long as it doesn't interrupt, as long as it's age appropriate and it doesn't interrupt other curriculum, which is essential, like, you know, maths, English, etc. Um, yeah, I think there's about having a reasonable limit on what can and can't be discussed in the classroom. And, and that's fine. Um, yeah, I, I, I think mm. that's not well a problem. Well, these are uh, great propositions. The question is more about the implementation of these kind of things. I am not agree agreeing with Astral when it comes to destroying civil liberties, but at the same time, if we're talking about actually solving this, I think it would be an interesting conversation to have in the future about uh, what the NRX people describe as the cathedral, where the way that they see it, the system right now is set up to such to such an extent that whatever reforms you want to do, they're just not going to be accomplished. I don't know, like, I know we're closing off right now, but Astral, if you have any words about that, about why some people are blackpilled about a lot of these things that Chud Logic is talking about that would help not even being able to be implemented in the first place, uh, uh, let me know. Astral, are you there, buddy? I don't know where Astral... Oh, I don't know where Astral went. I think it's, he may have fine. gone. Yes. I'll just I'll just step in and say that... Um, Go for it. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I'm um, vaguely familiar with the concept of the cathedral, which I believe is like representative of the institute, the institutions of liberal society, and the people are kind of supposed to be opposed to it in some way. That's what they're trying to rile up. I, I don't know loads about it, um, but yeah, I mean, I think 
the, the reality is we either talk about things we can potentially legislate for, and that's going to be a push and pull between normally two main political parties of a country. Beyond that, um, you've got, you know, maybe organizing, protesting, etc. But then beyond that, I mean, what are we left with? I mean, I think proponents of the cathedral often talk about a form of accelerationism, right? Um, I mean, Richard Spencer, for example, voted for Joe Biden. He said it was for law and order purposes, but I don't know if that was an example of like right wing accelerationism of like pushing, you know, uh, liberal politicians to the forefront with the hope that it becomes so bad. You know, the global homer agenda gets so bad that good righties rise up and fight against it. Um, I don't know. But yeah, it's definitely interesting. I'd be interested to hear more about, you know, concepts Mm -hmm. like the cathedral. Uh, Astral, yeah. any final thoughts on that as well with the cathedral? I don't know if you heard the question that I asked uh, you uh, before you went away. No, I'm sorry. I got interrupted. I oh, got no, interrupted, no problem. No back. So my question for you, and this will be the final thing here, and everybody subscribe, by the way. My final question to you, Astral, is how would you define the blackpilling that's currently going on with people who see the cathedral as being something that nothing can really be done about? where any kind of reform that should or myself or any sane person would want to implement it may move things you know a little bit forward with certain districts but it's only a matter of time before they get moved back because people are going to be too scared in polite society to oppose certain things that would be extremely pc to the extent that, you know, it's like the whole thing, well, at least we weren't racist. At least, we you know, yeah. seeing society breaking down around them. I don't know. Like, that's the black-pilled argument that people bring forth. Can you speak a little bit about that? And that would be the cliffhanger for a future stream. I would like yeah. to continue this discussion. Quickly, I can because I got to go. And I'm going to take this opportunity to shill because yes. I have two essays on my blog, uh, astralflight.substack.com, each 5,000 words. Uh, trying to communicate to the layperson uh, what accelerationism, Landian, Nick Landian accelerationism, and uh, mold buggyian uh, neo reaction is. So this is for someone who's never not only read mold bugger land, but they haven't read the losing Guattari and they haven't read Carlisle and they haven't read Spengler and all the people that they base everything on, Carl Schmidt and all that. So you could go there and check that out. I don't give a explicit explanation for what the cathedral is there because mold bug explains it so uh so lucidly in in unqualified res in uh, a gentle introduction that i don't really think it felt i didn't feel it needed to be elaborated on now the only response i have to you is 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 some people might find it ridiculous but i'm going to say it anyway because it's the end here the spenglerian perspective on all these problems and this is he gets this from nietzsche it's in nietzsche as well and it's also in Moldbug. is the tyrant or the Caesar figure is what Nietzsche and uh, Spengler calls him. And they're the one who comes along and overrides all the checks and balances of government to fix the problems. And, uh, you know, ancient democracies had recourse to a guy like this. They would, uh, they would, they would uh, vote in a dictator for a year to address a drastic problem in ancient Greece. And after that year was over, that dictator who had unquestioned authority to address that problem uh, had to step down. And uh, they had the same thing kind of in Rome. The uh, uh, Caesar basically became like a dictator for life. He he didn't he refused to step down. And that's theoretically what the crossing of the Rubicon means in 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 symbolically means uh, when when Caesar crossed the Rubicon, he was uh, eschewing all the previous checks and balances and taking over and becoming dictator for life and refusing to step down. 
Trump didn't cross the Rubicon. And uh, the reason why January 6th is being prosecuted so harshly is because it's like indicating to somebody in the future that like Trump brought it right up to the last moment. He brought it right up to the last moment at the halls of Congress, at the halls of the Senate, and he brought a mob there. And uh, they see the writing on the wall for a future person, a future president who maybe won't step down. And, uh, you know, the thing about Mulbug's CEO, right, is this guy has unquestioned authority. He talks about uh, uh, an absolute monarch who can make all the decisions just like a CEO. That's what a CEO is. The board entrusts him to make the right decisions for the company to bring it into the future. Now, I got to go. One last shilling. I just interviewed Daryl Cooper from Martyr Made Podcast. I'm very excited about it. It's a two-hour interview. And the second hour, we get way more in-depth about this. We talk ex uh, exclusively about the Nietzschean and the Spranglerian uh, Caesar figure. Mm -hmm. And uh, so look out for that. That's not That hasn't been released yet. But that is my quick answer nice. that I worry that somebody like Chud might like think is ridiculous to say like we need this tyrant to come in and override the checks and balances but i don't see any other way i, I think the i think when uh, he talks about uh, research and money and development and what's the best way i think that's what we've been doing we've been spinning our wheels over that for decades now and things are just getting worse hmm. well it's something and, that requires and, a and, longer conversation which i look forward to us having soon yeah as this time goes on the oligarchy just uh grabs more and more control um i mean you know I think, you know, it's, we're going to have some disagreement on that, but I, I am, you know, interested. I, I follow um, uh, or, or at least look at occasionally some uh, NRX accounts. Uh, and obviously me and um, me and Curtis, I think, agree on disagree on pretty much every political point, I'd imagine. But I've got to say, some of his Twitter threads do tickle me. Um, there was one he did, um, which I think is pinned on his, his account. And it's about this guy. Simon Moll or something, and he was an African person who came over to Sweden and apparently like paused paused a bunch of fucking leftists or something. So there's a uh, you know a certain uh, the inner edge lord in me is certainly tickled by some of his posts, even if we politically disagree. Um, you, you might be talking about Moldbug Man. Um, oh, is that is that not is that? Oh, it's is not him. No, 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 it's not him. Oh, is and it he's, not? Oh, okay, he's kind of a, a parody account in many ways. Yeah, he's Moldbug part... doesn't have a Twitter. He doesn't have a Twitter. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Yes. I'm no, it's okay. That. You're not the first one. Believe me. I think most of his Damn, followers are probably from that. Yeah, I wonder what Moldbug thinks of that. Like, there's this account that everybody thinks is him that's writing a lot of this stuff. And uh, hopefully, well, the guy, you know, the guy's a fan up. and he's, he's a good account and everything. And he is hilarious. But yes. uh, I don't, I don't now, know. I can't, I can't find his account. I, he now, listen. Gone. Now, yeah, listen. Before gone. we go, before we go, I just want to share the following. If you become a patron of patreon.com slash break the rules, you are going to get these exclusive magnets for the $20 tier. My father makes really beautiful magnets, maple, mahogany, ashwood, cherry. You can see the quality of these magnets. You know they're good. So if you become a $20 patron, you're going to get these magnets. If you become a $5 patron, you are going to get episodes in the MP3 format right after they come out. You are also going to get a chance to be on the streams as well, Patreon exclusive streams, all that good stuff. And lastly, if you become a $50 patron, you are going to get a custom magnet, whatever design you want. Or if you're a fan of Styx Hexenhammer 666, you are going to get a Styx dragon that looks like this. Look at this beautiful thing. And speaking of Styx, he is going to be on this Thursday for a gun control debate. That is happening this Thursday, breakthe rules.tv 
only on BreakTheRules.tv. I'm talking to you, Chud Logic, Twitch fans. So be there or be square, I'm okay? Link. I'm posting the link, okay? Yes, yes. And once yeah. again, here's the link to the uh, Patreon, patreon.com slash break the rules. Become a member today. I can't believe that I was able to get that name, patreon.com slash break the rules, but I was. So become a patron today. Support this. We are bringing everybody together by doing a stream like this. All the online weirdos together with the professional think tank people who, you know, like know various senators and ambassadors. We're just bringing the whole thing in together. It's over. It's about time for this to happen. So once again, I really appreciate Astral being here. Chud Logic, is there anything you would want to promote before we go? No, no, that's okay. Um, I just want, you know, listen, I know some people Some people are very disappointed with uh, some of the comments that have been made. I'm disappointed with you, chat, okay? Go and subscribe to the <laughs> channel, okay? I had a great time. Um, I know there's a lot of disagreement and stuff, but I had fun. Um, yeah, it was good. Uh, I had I'd, fun too. If you'd have me on again, I'd come on again, and uh, yeah, I mean, I'd speak to speak to anyone. You know, I always feel a little bit of like imposter syndrome, especially people speak to people that read a bunch of shit because you know, I'm not much of a reader, but I always have fun having these conversations. So yeah. Same here, brother. Thank you guys so much for watching. Be sure Pleasure. to subscribe, add a like. The like helps the algorithm out tremendously. 